0: Welcome to Draft Chat. This is episode number 147. My name is Zach. I'm one of your hosts and joining me as per usual, Ben Fisher. What's up, dude?
1: Not too much. I'm excited to break down mom.
0: (laughs) Let's move on, but I don't think we have time for it. Before we jump into this format breakdown, uh, do check out the Discord if you're not already in it. It's the best place to be to chat all things mom with us. This is gonna be so <laughs> awkward. I don't know if I can get through this, man. Um, it's the best place to go to chat with us and the rest of the aficionados. Post your trophy decks. Post your your what's the picks things like that. Especially as we jump into this new format, we will love to see those conversations going on in the Discord. Link to that is in the episode description as well as on our Twitter page. And if you'd like to support the show directly, you can do so on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash pod Huge huge thanks to each and every one of you who continue to support us over there each and every week. We love you all, and uh, we're looking forward to revealing our mom, Draft Chaff Hero, which will happen in uh, about a month or so. Perks over there include things like our Draft Doctor series, our stickers, show notes, our pre-show recordings, and our Draft Chaff Hero cards signed by us and sent to you in the mail with a nice little thank you card. Again, you can check that out at patreon.com forward slash Draft Chaff Pod. All right, now this week we're not going to do a crack draft type thing because it's a brand new set. But what we will do is break down what you can expect to find in each and every draft booster for March of the Machines. So buckle up, because there's a lot to talk about here. In every single pack, you will find one multiverse legend, which could be an uncommon, a rare, or a mythic. You'll find one double-faced battle, which could be an uncommon rare mythic. One single-faced uncommon rare mythic, which most likely is probably like the rare slot. Um, One double-faced card, that could be any of the rarities... And then you're guaranteed two com- two uncommons and eight commons. So that's hmm. four guaranteed slots that are different than traditional packs. So, And then, uh, you know, for a good measure, at half the time you'll get a dual basic. Uh, not a dual basic, but a, a dual land in the basic slot.
1: That's important to note. That means we're not going to take basics out, only the tokens, uh, because that slot could be replaced by like a gain land.
0: Yep. Yeah, if you're drafting in person, that's definitely going to matter.
1: This is an exciting pack to open. I mean, you could have multiple rares or multiple cool battles it sounds like I don't, I don't know the exact breakdowns of how all those are going to work but uh i'm sure that it's all available right
0: yeah i don't know if all the numbers are quite available yet but i'm sure we'll have them as 17 lands data comes through all right on to fairy tibble this is our roses and thorns style segment where ben and i share a high and a low for the past week so ben what's up with you
1: not too much uh my tibble is that it's the home stretch of the school year got two more months of teaching before the summer i've got some fun trips and things lined up so I'm looking forward to it, uh, but honestly, that's not even a big deal. I just got off my spring break, so the ending, that is unfortunate. Didn't really do anything. I was sick with a sinus infection for most of it, <laughs> but t- I- I'm honestly pretty stoked to be back. Uh, I was happy to see all my students, and uh, we're, we're doing waves and light for the rest of the year, which are some of my favorite topics. Get to play with some giant slinkies, that type of thing, so that's always fun. Uh, my my Teferi this week, uh, some magic-related stuff. Been having a lot of fun with White Weenies and Explorer. Uh I tried my hand at the the qualifier. Uh the I just had a bunch of those play-in points laying around. I, I tried a couple bullets, didn't get there, but had a lot of success, earned a bunch of gems, and uh now I can draft for a, a while longer. So uh, I did a maybe ill-advised uh Adventures in the Forgotten Realms draft just just to see how it aged. Uh not good is the answer. <laughs> had some really, really annoying games. Uh very quickly remembered why I wasn't big a fan of it. But uh, I did have one highlight, which was what I was playing a blue-red Demi-Lich deck. I don't know if anyone remembers Demi-Lich, but it was blue-blue-blue-blue. Blue, the four-blue-blue. Blue. Blue, blue. Yeah. Yeah, the
0: four-blue floating head.
1: Yeah, yeah, the four-three, uh, the mythic. Whenever you uh, attack with it, you get to cast an instant or sorcery from your graveyard. Not free cast, you get to snap cast it. Uh, and then you can exile four instants or sorceries to bring it back from the graveyard. And I did build around it, and it was sick. And I did get to cast it, you know, with, I think I had nine islands in my deck. Uh, I just had a bunch of instants and sorceries. So I uh, had some pretty sick plays with, with a Demi Lich. That was an achievement I never got the first time. Right. What's up with you?
0: Yeah, uh, phenomenal weekend for me. Um, celebrated Easter. My mom came up and made a nice fancy dinner. Had some friends over. Uh, so really awesome weekend. Um, my Tibble is that I'm still kind of under the weather. I have this bad, well, I guess I won't call it a habit because it's not something I've formed myself. But my body tends to like, I'll get sick mildly and it'll just linger for weeks and weeks and weeks. So I'm still like slightly congested. Uh, and it's just enough to be annoying. It's not enough to actually like keep me awake or, or, you know, stop me from sleeping or any of that kind of stuff. But it's it's annoying. All right. We're going to skip our listener question of the week because we have a really long episode in front of us um, and not a ton of time to record it. So we're up against the clock a bit this this time around. But that said... Our main topic this week is, of course, the March of the Machine format breakdown. Now, if you're new to our format breakdown styles of show, what we're going to do is walk through each and every mechanic you can expect to find in the set, at least the the main uh, named mechanics for the set, and then any little things here and there that that you should be aware of as you're drafting the format. And then we'll go through each and every color pair and the main vectors that we found in those color pairs and the ones that Watsi is advertising as the decks to look out for um, in March of the Machine. So let's just dive into it. Let's start with battles,
1: which is probably the most exciting thing from this new set, an entirely new card type. We don't get this that often, right? The last time this happened was Planeswalkers. I do still, <laughs> I have this thought in the back of my head that when I see it, it does look an awful lot like an enchantment. I don't know, maybe, I guess they don't really have borders. So yeah, they're pretty design distinct, I guess. Plus it seems like they're going to do more cool subtypes of them as we uh, you know, see them printed more and more. So all of the battles in this sub, in this set have the subtype of Siege. Probably not in the future. Uh, opponents, they protect them, right? So when you cast this thing, it enters the battlefield, your opponent starts protecting it, but you control it. Uh, you can flip your battle, uh, which is the goal, when you uh, defeat, quote unquote, defeat a Siege by either removing all counters from it uh, or dealing enough damage to remove these defense counters. Kind of works like Planeswalker loyalty counters. Uh, it doesn't go to the graveyard, it, it flips. Uh, when it's defeated. Now notably, destroying a battle will send it to the graveyard. So if you cast a battle and then try to disenchant it, it's not going to work out the way you want it to. It's just going to kill it instead of flipping it. Uh, To flip it, you got to actually defeat it by removing all the counters or attacking it with damage or burn damage or something like that. Now, uh, you can destroy your opponent's ones, the ones that they cast. Uh, A couple things that I, I like about this, it plays really well with creature combat. And that's kind of bread and butter for limited. So it plays really well with vigilance, plays really well with haste, uh, vigilance because you get to both attack your opponent's battles and defend yours, haste because you get to attack your opponent's battles out of nowhere. Uh, I would just recommend keeping an eye on battles that have strong enters the battlefield effects that help them get flipped right? Like ones that would help flip themselves on the turn they come in. So we're looking for ones that tap down creatures, remove creatures, bounce creatures to hand, uh, anything like that, that helps your team then immediately get in attack and flip the battle because the backsides of these are usually worth getting. Uh, I'm just going to go ahead and say, I wrote an entire article about this for card sphere, where I did a very deep dive on battles as a subtype. Uh, I recommend just going over and reading that over on card sphere. We we can link that too.
0: Yeah. One thing to note as well, any cards that deal damage to any target can target battles. A lot of them in this set will specifically say target player or battle. Mm-hmm. Um, notably, the typical disenchant doesn't hit them. They're not enchantments. So you need something that targets battles. So keep an eye on that. You know, don't don't sideboard in your disenchants uh, to... Try to kill your opponent's battle unless it says it targets anything or battle specifically there is actually
1: a quote-unquote disenchant type card in this set i think it's called a traxxas fall it's like one of the green uh, destroys an artifact enchantment creature with flying or battle i'm not even entirely sure if bringing this in against opponents battles are worth it let's say your opponent has like one of the good rare battles i mean a lot of the the strength of that effect is on the etb like would you ever bring in a disenchant to kill an opponent's saga like probably not. Right. The window to use it is pretty small and they usually get a good amount of the value out of it by the time they've, you know, just had it for a term. So I, I don't know where that one falls. Is going to be interesting for now. I'm very excited to see how battles play out.
0: Next up, we've got incubate. This is a new mechanic as well. And functionally, works the same. It's one of the ones that has a number associated with it. Um so I'll read out kind of what the effect does, but note that it varies by card that it's written on. So Incubate uh, typically says create an incubator token with X plus one plus one counters on it and then transform the artifact for two mana. You should pay, pay two mana and you can transform the artifact. And it transforms into a zero zero artifact creature with the Phyrexian subtype. You can flip these at instant speed. You can sack them to things. You They've got counters on them. So the ETB with, with plus one plus one counters. Um, this is a token that transforms. So if you have something that, your deck in something in your deck that cares about number of things transforming these tokens can satisfy that requirement. Note again that this is something that's tacked on to most creatures, some I think there are even some uh instances and sorceries that have it on there.
1: Yeah, there are.
0: And um it's something you want to look out for. The artifacts that enter the battlefield are just artifacts though. They they're just f- blank artifacts with plus one plus one counters on them. So don't think you're getting a creature right away. You do have to put two extra mana into it to to transform them into a creature.
1: I want to talk about Convoke. So Convoke says your creatures can help cast the spell. Each creature you tap while casting the spell pays for one generic or one mana of this creature's color. Uh, A note about this, this means that incubate tokens will uh, only ever be paying for colorless. Now, I always also found that reminder text kind of cute. It could have just started with each creature you tap while casting the spell. That would have been just perfectly fine reminder text. But I always thought saying your creatures can help you. (laughs) It's kind of funny. So that means you can cast spells with Convoke without tapping a single land. That's a pretty strong effect. Now, uh, that means you should focus on token makers, focus on building out a solid board. Don't trade off your creatures if you have a bunch of strong Convoke cards as your top end. Uh, That would be anti to the Convoke Vector, right? So the Convoke Vector asks that you build out a wide board. Keep that in mind while, you know, playing out creatures, deciding what to do with them in the early to mid game. Uh, Just a side note, some Convoke cards seem to pair well with aggro. Uh, There's like a two and a white combat trick in this set that has Convoke. It gives one of your creatures plus two, plus two and flying. It's not a turn. Seems like a fine aggro card, but it's not it's actually counteractive to the aggro vector. And yeah, you can play it in your aggro decks and it'll usually behave well, but the aggro vector wants you to turn your creature sideways to attack your opponent, right? To deal damage. Uh, you shouldn't really be playing a, a ton of Convoke stuff unless it's like a huge bomb. There, there's some big dragons with Convoke. Yeah, you're going to play those obviously. But um in, in general there used to be this card called uh, venerated loxodon it was a four and a white it had convoke and it was like a four four and uh, when it ended the battlefield it put a one one counter on each creature that convoked it and it saw a lot of play in white weenies at the time uh, in standard i believe and i never got it i always played that white weenies deck i always cut it and i always did just fine because you don't want to take a turn off to tap all your creatures to put a counter on them like, if you played a Glorious Anthem, like three mana, all your creatures get plus one, plus one, and it said you can't attack this turn, is that something you want in a White Weenies deck? No. And the game would always end that turn anyway because you just played a the 4-4 four, four body doesn't even matter. I'm, I'm going to get off my soapbox on this one. I'm, I'm starting to ramble. But uh, just as another side note, um, Arena will set a stop for this. So uh, it's going to be difficult to bluff with these ones. If you have the ability to cast whatever that. That, what is it, like Elspeth's Intervention, I think it might be called. Uh, if you have the creatures up to cast it, Arena will pass priority to you, and it might be a little obvious to your opponent that you're representing it. So just keep that in mind.
0: Yeah, get ready to spam through your <laughs> auto, yeah, exactly auto pass through your uh, through your, your stops. Next up here, we've got Backup. This is another new mechanic that is pretty prevalent in certain colors in this format. We'll get into which colors in a little bit. But Backup says, when this creature enters the battlefield, put a plus one, plus one counter on target creature. If that's another creature, it gains the following ability until end of turn. So you'll see backup as the first line of text on most cards in their normal printings. I think there is an alternate art that does put backup as like one of the last pieces of text on the card. Anyway, Hmm. most of the time you'll see it as the first thing on the card. And then that card will have an ability, something like vigilance or flying or or whatever it may be. When it ETBs, you're able to put a one one counter on target creature. So it could be itself in which case it just enters with an additional plus one, plus one. If you put it on any other creature, then that creature will gain the ability that the creature you just played entered the battlefield with. Kind of gives this uh, a little bit of a hasty boost. We've seen some, some effects like this in the past where something ETBs to put a counter on something, you're, you're essentially giving that counter haste because you can put it on mm-hmm. a creature that hit the board the turn before. In this case, you're giving that counter and an additional ability haste. So that's always good to see. Really uh, effective in aggro decks. That tends to mean, though, that the creature itself, the creature that has backup on it, likely a little bit below rate. And so that's something we'll have to look at and how that balances out in terms of uh, draft priority. Something else
1: in this set is transform. Uh, This is kind of evergreen at this point, but the way things transform in this set is is worth noting. Uh, We've actually kind of seen it before uh it feels like we've seen this for, for a long time at this point it's with phyrexian mana so a lot of creatures in this set will say uh they have like a normal front side you can cast it for you know its usual cost but then in this set they all transform for different colors of mana uh, than the front side has on them so for example a card might cost like i don't know one white and then it might have a transform cost of uh, four generic and a phyrexian hybrid green mana no, just a Frexian green mana. So uh, that means you could just pay the four or pay five mana and not have to pay any life. So a note about paying life for this, you, you can just do that, right? Like every deck can cast to the front side and then also flip it to the backside, even if you're not playing the type of Frexian mana that you're required to use to, to flip it. Maybe you have uh, the dual lands in this set, so maybe you include a couple of those to help splash and make it a little less painful. Uh, but A lot of these will be able to flip, quote unquote, on curve by paying the life, right? So there's like a two drop one where the activation cost to flip it is three and a Phyrexian. So that means on turn two, you cast it. On turn three, you pay three and two life and flip it. Now in mid range mirrors, this isn't going to matter too much, right? If you're just paying life and you're paying life at about even rates and you have about the same number of these. Uh, In aggro mirrors, be careful paying too much life, you know. Uh, I mean, by paying that life and flipping it, you're kind of setting yourself up for a blowout. You know, if it gets killed in response to paying that life and paying all that mana, that's kind of what aggro players dream of. Um, And of course, the paying life will actually matter if your opponent has to reduce your life from 15 to 0 instead of, I guess that'll never be, 14 or 16 to 0 instead of 20 to 0. An especially important place to note this is in the aggro versus mid-rangey matchup. Uh, As a predominantly aggro player, if my opponent wants to, you know, pay 6 and a Phyrexian to flip their their big creature, I'm all in for that because I can still just usually answer it with like a Convoke the Flames, which is in the set or the set's pacifism, which is Realm Breaker's Grasp. So uh, just be careful if you're playing that exact matchup and just be mindful of paying too much life.
0: Lastly, there are a few miscellaneous things we want to talk about. Not technically new mechanics, but things to keep an eye out for. Of course, multiverse legends are in every pack, so you will be seeing lots of them. There are 65 total multiverse legends in the set. So keep an eye out for those. There are all sorts of crazy ones. Some that are, like, less relevant, like Yargle, <laughs> may or may not be less relevant than others, say, like Athalia, Guardian of Thraben, or Jeez, a yeah. Gigantha. I mean, we've got the companions back, so oh, that's right out for, for all of those floating around as well. That's so cool. And plain specific ones often have, like, the set mechanic, whatever that mechanic was for that particular set, which is kind of a recurring theme in these, like, multiverse kind of sets, but um, keep an eye out for that.
1: All right. Now, as we go through each of our, you know, two color pairs and investigate the vectors that may be buried within them, uh, we're going to talk about the vector signposts that they give us and the battle for each of these two color pairs. We'll see where they align and where they don't, because some of these uh, some of them point in the same direction. Some don't, but we should get a pretty good hint as to what they designed the vectors to do in this set. So just as a note. Uh, enemy color pairs also have these uncommon transform cards they have one of each color so for example blue white has a white uncommon that you have to pay blue for in to flip and a blue uncommon you have to pay white for xing to flip Uh, we're not going to talk about those because they really can just go in any blue or white deck uh, respectfully and uh, often they're on vector but um you know, who knows? Maybe we're going to wind up with some wacky, like big mana, multicolor, three color, four color decks that involve all these weird splashes. And I don't know that this set is definitely going big mode. We'll see what happens in the, in the end with that. But I'm calling some pretty big multicolor decks.
0: All right, let's dive right into these vectors. So again, we're going to walk through each of the two color uh, archetypes uh, or vectors, as we like to call them, that we've noticed coming kind of popping up through the set. We'll start right off with White Blue, which we we're dubbing Nighty Knight, spelled with K's, of course, <laughs> because, uh, well, first up, we've got Marshal of Zalfir. This is White Blue for a human knight at Uncommon. It's a 2-2. Other knights you control get plus one, plus one, and then has an activated ability of White Blue Tap. Tap another target creature. That's so yeah, good. Okay. Uh, <laughs> doing the knight thing, getting rid of blockers. We're going in the red zone here. So, you know, Ben, you mentioned this is going big mode, this, this format. This deck isn't. I mean, this is a two mana two two. It's a lord and it's tapping down an opponent's stuff. This yeah, this deck wants to attack.
1: Really, really efficient. Um, curving this into a a three drop into a four drop knight, that that's gonna be really strong. And honestly, putting a tapper on a lord, have they done that before? It's genius.
0: Yeah, I can't think of one. I th- maybe the Lord of the Accursed had something similar. I don't it wasn't a tapper in uh, per se, but it was a lord with like an extra ability, I think. That oh yeah, yeah, like a menace ability. Good good memory. Next up is the battle for this vector, and this one is called Invasion of Xerox. It's two white-blue for a a battle siege at Uncommon, and I'll read this off once just so we have the exact wording, but we won't do this for every battle. Uh, But they say, as a siege enters, choose an opponent to protect it. You and others can attack it. When it's defeated, exile it, then cast it transformed. So you do have to cast the thing, just in case. Mm. I don't think there are any timing-related nonsense in this set, but in other formats... Uh, things that stop you from casting stuff at instant speed, looking at you, you three, fairy, do get in the yeah, way. It can battles. also be countered. That too, that too. But anyway, Invasion of Xerx says when it when it enters the battlefield, return up to one target creature to its owner's hand, and then it has four defense counters, which are the things that you're attacking into to uh, to remove. And when those get destroyed or when you remove those counters in some way, it flips and is recast as Vertex Paladin. This is a, a, an Angel Knight, star star power toughness it has flying and it says vertex paladins power and toughness are each equal to the number of creatures you control we're going wide and we're getting rid of blockers i mean it's the same same exact thing you just want a bunch of knights let your marshals out here pump them up flip your vertex paladin and uh now you've got a big flyer to finish up the game
1: yeah no this is great i mean imagine playing a three drop three power knight uh, i guess i wonder if we're about to talk about one of those but like a three drop three power knight uh and then curving it right into, uh, well, I guess after Marshall was out here, right? So then it's a 4-4. Then you play Invasion of Xerix on the next turn, uh, bounce their thing that was going to block your 4-4, attack, flip the Invasion, and now you've got, what, at least a 2-2 flyer. Well, no, a 3-3 at that point, and then it just gets bigger. I, this is a very clear vector.
0: I don't think there's going to be much room for splashing or other nonsense in blue-white. In the line that you just described, it would also be getting punked by the Zal- the Marshal of here so it'd really be a 4-4. That's just <laughs> oh, yeah. disgusting. That's awesome. Now, I would say a 4-mana unsummon really isn't what you're looking for. But mm, given... Yeah. Right, so you need to be able to capitalize and get this thing dead. Like, get rid of those counters from the invasion in order to flip it to the Vertex Paladin, or you're really not happy putting this in your deck.
1: Yeah, that's true. If you don't have any creatures on the battlefield, this is just embarrassing. Right.
0: Pretty bad late game top deck. Let's... Jump onto some of the white cards that are going to support this vector. First up, we've got Swordsworn Cavalier. This is one white for a human knight at common. It's a three-one. Swordsworn ha- Cavalier has first strike as long as another knight entered the battlefield under your control this turn. Nice little two-two mana three-one with first strike. Uh, potentially. Um, seems pretty solid. Yeah, there's a lot of knights
1: in white. <laughs> this is going to have first strike a lot of the time. And honestly, this might even see play in non-blue white decks just because of the density of knights in this set. Uh, there's even some non mono white or blue knights so uh yeah i I like this thing i think the first strike is going to be important this set is definitely going big and having some sort of not evasion but having some reason for your two drop not to get blocked or uh just you know trade off with a one
0: one or something like that uh it's going to be useful to have especially with battles given you know what we're used to when it comes to combat is attack the opponent to get their life total low, or attack their planeswalker to get rid of one of their resources. What battles Mm. do is now give you something to attack to give you more resources, which makes your opponent far more likely to block them in a lot of situations depending on what resource you're getting, right? So, keep an eye on that. Uh, That's something, like these little things that where your random 3-1 might be able to get first strike which might make it get through the red zone to give you a resource that, you know... That can be huge. So I think these are going to be bigger, more effective, at least in this format than they traditionally are. Um, but we'll see how that plays out. Next up, we've got Zalvir- Zalfirin Lancer. This is two and a white for a human knight at Uncommon. It's 3-3. Three, three. So there you go. There's your 3 power three, three-man, uh, three-three <laughs> coming down. There and, it is. Uh, flipping. This is a good one. Vertex Paladin. But that's not it. It's not just a, a three mana three, three. It also says whenever another knight enters a battlefield under your control, it gets plus one, plus one and vigilance until end of turn. Jeez. That's so cool, <laughs> man. That's a yep. good white card. That is a solid uncommon. Yeah. White has definitely found its stride in in late, like as of late with sets. Yeah. These are green stats, three mana, four, right. four vigilance. Like, come on. Uh, yeah. Really sick card. So for blue, we have a few pretty solid options as well. There's Xerix Strobe Knight. This is two and a blue for a human knight at uncommon. It's got flying and vigilance, and it's a 2-2. So three mana 2-2, flying, vigilance. Okay. Then it has Mm -hmm. an activate ability of tap. Create a 2-2 white and blue knight creature token with vigilance. Activate only if you've cast two or more spells this turn.
1: Yeah. That's a build around, but that's really worth doing. I mean, if you activate this once, you got your money's worth, right?
0: Yeah. And they put this at uncommon, so that kind of tells you this is something that, like, could have gotten out of hand. If this was a common, these card, this card would have been too powerful. So there yeah. likely will be a handful of pretty cheap spells that this deck is looking to play anyway. I'm seeing this maybe, you know, maxing it like four or five on as mana curve and you're playing like a high density of two drops. Mm-hmm. This can just Notably, pump out an army. It's like an army in a can. I got to say this does
1: actually play pretty well with Convoke, right? Like you tap out to play your yep. thing and then, um, you know, convoking something out for free lets you cast that second spell. Although, I guess it's a bit of a non because you don't want to tap this thing. Um, well, yeah, well, also, like, do.
0: you could have convoked with this thing. The token that it's generating is, like, you're netting the... It's oh, net except zero, you have to tap it right? to make it. Well, that's what I mean. But you could tap this to make the token, and then the token can tap to convoke. So you could have just done so. The first turn, you could have done so for the one mana. You know what I mean? Like, it's not... You're not up a mana. If you're using the knight you just generated to convoke because you could have used oh
1: this. oh, yeah yeah i, I see yeah it, it feeds itself is what you're saying
0: yeah i got you i got you right. in a way <laughs> in a way though this is kind of fixing if you are playing a bunch of convoke spells because this is a blue <laughs> card that then makes a white blue creature <laughs> that's actually pretty so, true yeah anyway on to our next card here this is order of the mirror this is one and a blue for a two one at common human knight and it just has this activated ability three and a phyrexian white transform it and you can activate that only as a sorcery. And then it transforms into Order of the Alabaster Host. This is a 3-3. Whenever it becomes blocked by a creature, that creature gets minus 1, minus 1 until end of turn.
1: Flanking! They brought back flanking! Man, that's exciting.
0: <laughs> that's pretty sweet. Um, I love that this is a, a nice little 2-drop. Mm-hmm. I mean, a 2-mana two 2-1 two as a common, totally fine, serviceable. It's a knight, which is super relevant in this vector. And then, you know, maybe you draw a couple lands, you don't have anything to do. On turn four, flip this. Even on three, I mean, you can pay the two life, flip this on three, and now you got a three three that's going to shrink your opponent's creatures.
1: Yeah, this is a lot harder to block than it looks like. Uh, for example, <laughs> I mean, you would you would need a three three and a two two to trade with this, and even then, you're risking like a huge blowout from combat tricks or things like that. Like two two twos don't stop this; they, they don't even come close. So, and don't even get me started on X ones. This just makes a mess out of those. So, uh, cool card. And again, with these types of creatures. You're mostly just going to flip them when you have the time. Uh, you don't really want to do this on curve, I feel like. I mean, you, you really open yourself up to removal there. Or maybe it is the kind of set where you can do that. It depends how sick the set is, how slow
0: the format is, whether paying that life is a big deal or, or what. But I think it lets you keep hands you might not otherwise not have kept, right? You, mm. you, can, you can keep a hand that doesn't have a turn three or four play with this card in your hand because you know I can at least spend my mana if I happen to not draw a better three drop or a better four drop.
1: Yeah, that's true. It's a bit of a mana sink. Now blue-black, redeeming rogue ideas, because this one feels kind of familiar. We'll we'll see why in a second. So Halo Forager, 1 blue-black, 3-1 Flying Fairy Rogue at Uncommon. Nice art, too. Uh, When it enters the battlefield, you may pay X. When you do, you may cast target instant or sorcery card with mana value X from a graveyard without paying its mana cost. If that spell be put into a graveyard, exile it instead. Hmm. So it's just a better
0: snapcaster mage. Is that what you're telling me? <laughs> I mean, it's not what I'm telling you, but it it basically is that, yeah. <laughs> Obviously, it's
1: not an instant speed effect, and uh, it's kind of cool that you can pay and, and get stuff out of your opponent's graveyard. Uh, also, you, you're paying X. It's generic, so also kind of fixing, you know, if you self-mill some stuff that you couldn't cast otherwise or find a way to discard it. Uh, that's a little ridiculous, but this is clearly a really strong card. A three mana, three power flyer. Uh, that gets you card advantage i mean there's a four mana black removal spell just you know kill something and you make a treasure token imagine you're you're up to seven getting to redo this or i guess if you already cast it you only need six yeah you know what i mean just getting to buy back or a good removal spell with this seems great definitely now next here our battle we've got invasion of amonkhet one blue black pretty fitting for amonkhet it's a four defense siege when Invasion of Amonkhet enters the battlefield, each player mills three cards, then each opponent discards a card and you draw a card. This one or not is jazzed about. Um, this one does nothing to help get your creatures through. I mean, it draws you a card and makes your opponent discard one, but I don't know. I'm, I'm not really looking for that kind of effect. That That's that's not that great. Also, is that the Scarab God and the Locust God fighting is, with Hazard? Yeah. I could have sworn they got, eh, Yeah, I thought the same. <laughs> Look, all the lore surrounding the Bolas saga, it's all just, it's so messed up at this point, I couldn't really tell you what was going on. As long as as Hazard is still cool. I I like Hazard. Uh, If you do manage to somehow get your pesky little blue-black creatures through, I guess Halo Forager is pretty good at it. Uh, You can flip into Lazatep Convert. It's a zombie. It's a 4-4. You may have Lazatep Convert enter the battlefield as a copy of any creature card in a graveyard, except it's a 4-4 black zombie in addition to its other types. You get to eternalize something. How cool is that? <laughs> that's such a flavor yeah, win.
0: Sick. Awesome. Yeah, awesome flavor there.
1: Also, I mean, you did have each player mill three cards, and your opponent knew what was happening here, but they got to discard a card too, so they probably didn't discard a you know huge bomb that you could reanimate. And you're getting it as a 4-4, four, four, but you know, th- this is cool. You get to get a 4-4 four, four with some relevant abilities. I mean, there's some cheap lifelinkers in this set. Uh, you could get a, a pretty good thing. I mean, getting something that has a um a backup ability means that you get to come in with the backup ability it sees etb effects so really cool stuff um worth flipping probably worth playing but i could see this being the type of card that you don't end up playing overall now i want to circle back on rogue ideas here you might remember in in uh, zendikar rising the rogue sub theme was uh, eight or more cards in your graveyard we actually see some pretty similar stuff in in this one there's a couple cards that have uh Similar themes, Uh, a couple things key off eight or more cards in a graveyard. Uh, Not the ones we're going to talk about here, though. So we have Disturbing Conversion. One of the blue, it's an Aura, it's an enchantment with flash. It's a common. Enchants a creature, and it says, when it enters the battlefield, each player mills two cards. Enchanted creature gets minus X minus O, where X is the number of cards in its controller's graveyard. This is a strong effect. Uh, we're actually playing with a pretty similar effect in Shadows over Innistrad right now. And yeah, that's another graveyardy type set. Uh, you know, it's Innistrad, so obviously. But this does eventually become something like a blue path to exile, I guess. Well, this costs two, so it's kind of like a blue lightning strike. At a certain point, your opponent's going to have so much stuff, and it's getting at least minus two minus zero, right?
0: Yeah, that's true. I mean, it's looking at your graveyard, so the, the symmetrical mill thing is a little bit interesting. I feel like that makes this pretty bad in mirrors because all these symmetrical mill effect, I guess maybe not because you're powering both like you're powering yourself and your opponent, but um curious wouldn't to it see be how that it's, Wouldn't yeah. it be its controller's graveyard? Oh, the creature, it's the cre- creature's controller. I read that as the R's controller. Yeah, I got you.
1: Next up is Oracle of Tragedy. One of the blue, one, three human wizard uncommon. When ETBs or dies, choose one, draw a card, then discard a card or shuffle up to four target cards with mana value three or greater from your graveyard into your
0: library. What a weird little effect. What's going on there? Yeah, that's pretty strange. Typically we see these as, as capped at three mana, like, you know, like a Luris effect. You can't take anything that's more than three mana total. Um, This lets you tuck away some pretty big things. It's pretty solid to avoid getting milled out, which is going to be probably pretty important in this deck because it looks like there's a lot of symmetrical mill going on.
1: Yeah, if there's a sweet spider spawning or self-mill, dump your whole deck, recast your best stuff over and over again it's going to involve this card which is the reason I wanted to shout it out and yeah these symmetrical mill plans will help you do that and this does break that symmetrical mill mirror uh I this this one puzzles me honestly it might be a draft chaff cube inclusion because of the, <laughs> just how weird it is and the fact that it does uh you know do a little bit of looting which our our, our vectors synergize pretty well with also we do have that spider spawning infinite loop deck in the cube so this also plays pretty well with that y- yeah this one's a puzzler maybe we're missing something here but you know, it's in the set, and it's an uncommon for a reason. So, interested to see what happens with this. Now, our black cards to look at, we've got Nizumi Freewheeler. Three and a black, 3-3. Three, three. It's a rat samurai, uncommon. It has menace. And when it enters the battlefield, each player mills three cards. Three mana, or four, four mana, 3-3 three, three menace, ETB, each player mills three. That's a pretty fine rate just by itself, right?
0: Yeah, nothing to get too crazy about, but we're not done.
1: Yeah, uh, you can pay five and a white to transform it at sorcery speed. So again, this is one of those ones you could do on curve, right? You play this on four, then on five, you could potentially get hideous flesh wheeler. Man, that name is accurate. I do not want to look at that thing any longer than I have to. Uh, it's a Phyrexian rat with menace. It's a four or five now. Uh, when this creature transforms into hideous flesh wheeler, you put target permanent card with mana value two or less from a graveyard onto the battlefield under your control. So this thing is attacking on turn five as a four or five menace. That's pretty beefy. And also, just from flipping it, you've gotten a permanent with mana value two or less. This means like a creature that traded off early, maybe a little death toucher or something. Uh, but a permanent? I mean, th- that could be a land, right? That could be a or little a like a... Oh, yeah, or a battle. It could also be like a little mana rock or something or like a prophetic prism effect that uh, ETB is to draw a card. Uh, there's a two mana 1-1 one, one in this set that ETB is to make an opponent discard a card. That'd be pretty sick to get back with this. Uh, just a really
0: efficient rate. Also, this isn't something we see too often anymore, but this says from a graveyard, so you can target your opponent's graveyard for this. Mm, yeah. There's is unsealed on Acropolis,
1: two and a black. It's an instant. Each player mills three cards. Then you return up to two creature cards from your graveyard to your hand. Solid effect. And man, some really gnarly art. Oh,
0: yeah. These, I mean, look at how many cards we just read that say each player mills three. <laughs> like yeah, that's, that that's a like lot. Two commons. Well, the one is mill two. But two commons and an uncommon already that are doing it. There's going to be a lot of close games, I think, in this format where people are down to like one or two cards left in their library.
1: Just as a quick example of what I was talking about earlier, Tenured Oil Caster is a 4-mana 2-4 with Menace, and it gets three o as long as an opponent has eight or more cards in their graveyard. So again, yeah, we've seen stuff like this before, uh, but it seems like th- that's not the real payoff. The real payoff is that this is a three-mana instant speed. Each player mills three, and then you get two creatures back. Like that that by itself is like the expected going rate uh, for, for drawing two good cards. And
0: honestly, the fact that you get to get a little bit of extra selection, it's pretty good too. All right, next up we've got Black Red, which we're dubbing Sack and Smack. A little bit of whack-a-mole going on here. Our vector signpost for this vector is Stormclaw Rager. It's one Black Red for an Ogre Warrior at Uncommon, of course. And it's a 2-2 with the activated ability of... Pay one generic mana, sacrifice another t- creature or artifact, put a 1-1 counter on Stormclaw Rager, and draw a card. Activate only as a sorcery. That's not once per turn? Not once per turn. <laughs> huh. Notably, <That's> pretty good. <laughs> also, this one... Yeah, this one uh, specifically says you can sack creatures or artifacts, so we're going to be well on the lookout for Incubate cards here, because Incubate cards will generate those artifacts. You don't have to put any extra mana into them to flip them to creatures before you sack them. You're just put some counters on this thing, make it huge. It is obviously a big lightning rod. I think this thing eats removal nine times out of 10, <laughs> the turn it's played. But oh,
1: yeah. Yeah. Oh, and the downside to this one is that because it activates as a sorcery, you can't do this in response to removal spells. That's probably why they're able to right. get away with such an efficient rate. Um, usually you would see it costs like two in a black or one in the black to sack another creature or something. But the, 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 the fact that this is unbound, you can do this as many times as you want. This could be a big threat, right? Like just the threat of activation in the mid to late game. This thing, uh, I mean, your opponent has to respect that they could pass the turn. You sack your whole board and swing in with like a nine, nine or something. And you just drew a bunch of
0: cards. Definitely. And our battle here is invasion of Asgol. This is black red for a four defense siege. When invasion of Asgol enters the battlefield, target player sacrifices a creature or planeswalker and loses one life. So it's a two mana effect, not the most dramatic entrance, I would say. And Edicts Mm -hmm. typically aren't something we love. Um, Sure. uh, And they still get the choice between creature Planeswalker, right? You don't get to tell them which of the two to sacrifice. Yeah, that's true. Unless they have no creatures on board and they have a Planeswalker, you're basically never going to see that take effect. But if you do manage to kill this thing or destroy it or however you want to phrase that, um, defeat it, I suppose, is the correct term. Mm -hmm. It flips into Ashen Reaper, which is a zombie elemental. It's a 2-1 with Menace, and at the beginning of your end step, put a plus one, plus one counter on Ashen Reaper if a permanent was put into a graveyard from the battlefield this turn. That's pretty good. I mean... (laughs) I'm just saying, like, Invasion of Asgol, into Stormclaw Rager, into some 4-drop, flip the Asgol. Now, every time you sack something with a Rager, you're putting a counter on it and the Ashen Reaper. I mean...
1: Yeah, the Reaper is something that would eventually demand removal. It, it, it would just grow over the course of the game. Also, side note: I don't know what is happening on Asgol, but it looks like they're not super worried about the Phyrexians. I mean,
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: they've got <laughs> their <laughs> own problems going on. <laughs> what, what is it? What is this thing? A zombie elemental? Did an elemental die and come back to? Yeah, uh, I don't know. I have some mechanical issues with what's happening on Asgol, <laughs> but I, I guess we haven't gone there yet. We'll find out eventually.
0: So, on to black here, we have Iker Shade. This is two and a black for a two, three Phyrexian Shade a common. At the beginning of your end step, if an artifact or a creature was put into a graveyard from the battlefield this turn, put a one, one counter on Iker Shade. I'm seeing a. Simple. I'm seeing a sub theme. Yeah. Yeah. Clear sacrifice vector. And next up, we've got Blight Reaper Thalid. This is one and a black for a two, two. Fungus at uncommon. It's got, uh it's a transform creature. So, three and a black Phyrexian, uh, sorry, three and a green Phyrexian. And you can transform it. Into Blight Sower Thalid, which is a 3 3 Phyrexian fungus. When this creature transforms into Blight Sower Thalid or dies, create a 1 1 green Phyrexian Saproling creature token. Lots of fodder to sack. Yeah, it makes me want an Omnivore Thalid. <laughs> yeah, uh, if only. In red, we've got Furnace Rains. This is two in a red for sorcery at uncommon. Gain control of target creature until end of turn. So this is our um, active trees in effect untap that creature until end of turn it gains haste and whenever this creature deals combat damage to a player or battle create a treasure token these are cards you love to see in in black red decks right
1: yeah and they're way too busted at common when this vector is uh really good so uh, it's cool that they give you a treasure for connecting with the creature because if you steal your opponent's thing they're probably not going to want to trade off with it but this at least makes them a little more willing to maybe chump or they're not going to trade with it probably but Uh, Let's be honest, if you cast this, you're planning on sacking the creature anyway, so whether or not it actually connects probably isn't the best payoff. It's just a little little extra bonus on top. Unfortunate that it's uh, at Uncommon, so you're probably not going to get too many if you're in this vector, but again, no one else wants this, so if you're playing Black
0: Red and this gets opened, you can probably expect to pick one up kind of late. Yeah, next up is Ral's Reinforcements. This is one in red for sorcery at Common. It says create two 1-1 blue and red elemental creature tokens. Now, this might make you think, isn't this a blue-red card? Well, not really. I mean, this is a vector that cares about sacking creatures. This is a great rate to get two creatures, two mana to get two creatures that you can sack for extra value on your board. I mean, this is definitely a card that's going to be right at home in this deck.
1: Yeah, imagine sacking both of those to the uh, Stormclaw Rager. Gross. Yeah. Next up, we've got red green. We are going to battle because battle is the name of the game here. We've got rampaging geoderm as our first vector uncommon. Uh, two red green for a three three dinosaur beast. It has trample and haste. Of course, it does. Whenever you attack, so that's not this thing. Whenever you attack, uh, although I guess it has it has haste, so it's probably attacking too. Whatever target attacking creature gets plus one plus one until end of turn. Uh, if it's attacking a battle, put a plus one plus one counter on it instead. So at its base, even if there's no battles on the board, this is a four amount of four four Trample Haste. Nice. Yeah, super solid. There's also Invasion of Ergomon as our siege here. Red Green, when Invasion, oh, I forgot to say the thing, just costs Red Green. It is five defense, kind of high. Uh, but when Invasion of Ergomon enters the battlefield, create a treasure token. Then you may discard a card. If you do, draw a card. Yeah, okay. That's some good value in a two drop. <laughs> yeah, a little bit of filtering. I mean, it is kind of card disadvantage because if you never managed to flip this, it just sits on the board. You kind of turned a card into a treasure and then you got to filter a little bit. I don't know, you really need to flip this for it to be worth anything.
0: Notice, uh, I'll just, I'll throw in there too, just to say, on Rampaging Geoderm is something we didn't highlight. You get the counter even if it doesn't connect with the battle. It just needs to be attacking a battle to get the counter. So that's something like Geoderm could get big enough that the trample damage just ends up flipping this thing like naturally. That's true. You almost... You almost kind of want to have like a a 20 defense battle
1: just sitting on uh, the opponent's side that you could kind of just leave as an emblem to keep pumping things. The geoderm counter ability, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's kind of funny. I mean, this does have five, so it is higher, a little harder to hit down than some of the other ones like blue blacks we saw was lower. Anyway, the backside of of this battle is true, cliff charger. It's a three, four trample. And when it enters the battlefield, you may discard a card. If you do search your library for a land or battle card, reveal it, put it in your hand, then shuffle. That's cool. Yeah, you could just chain yeah. invasions of Ergamon together.
0: Yeah, nice little battle tutor. I like it.
1: Yeah, that's sweet. Uh, I don't know why you'd really want a land at that point in the game. I don't know. At that point, you're probably on like three or four or five mana anyway. Maybe if you're going really big, a bit of a strange. I mean, it inclusion it doesn't fetch there. I basics. Like you want the battle?
0: Oh yeah, it does grab it could any, be any land. land. So you may want, you may have like a utility land sitting in your library that you want to cash in for something. Who knows? Or maybe you didn't draft any yeah. other battles. <laughs> yeah, it's true. It's
1: like a fail safe. Um, go get like your dual land for emergency fixing or that type of thing. All right. It's just an extra upside. Uh, I think the red green deck is going to want multiple battles. But something I'm not sure of is what kind of slots these take. Probably somewhere in the non-creature enchantment slot because you can't really treat like th- these are creatures. Uh, for example, I don't think you want a red green deck that only has 12 normal creatures in it. I think you want like 14, 15 you know, low to the ground, one, two, three drops that are able to attack these battles down. I mean, if your curve is a bunch of invasions of Ergamon and then you start casting creatures to flip them at like four, five, six, I don't know if you're going to get there. I don't know if that's a good rate. I don't think rampaging geoderm should be the first thing you cast that's trying to flip these battles. It's just too slow.
0: Yeah, I totally agree. I'm kind of preliminarily, having not drafted the format at all, right, I'm I'm kind of putting them in my head the same way we do with something like mana rocks or card draw spells where you're like, well, so many of these equals a land, but it's definitely not one to one. And so I'm kind of thinking like maybe two to three invasions or battles equals a creature. And using that math yeah. to start off with, and then I'll adjust as as we see the format evolve. Next up, we've got something that's
1: clearly Ikorian here in this vector. We've got a war train slasher, three and a red, four three wolverine dinosaur covered in crystals. Uh it's a common. When it attacks a battle, double its power until end of turn. Oh, Jeez. Boy. I Somebody mean give this thing trample. Yeah, I mean th- they could jump with two creatures, it's definitely trading for them, like an eight-three. Jeez, uh, yeah, this is this is just a battle assassin. I mean, this is the type of thing you want to cast this and then the turn after cast the battle that you want to get flipped because this thing is basically guaranteed to flip it if it can connect. We've got Invasion of Regatha as our red uncommon siege here. Uh, two and a red for a five defense siege. When it enters the battlefield, it deals four damage to another target battle or opponent and one damage to up to one target creature. Hmm. It's a bit of a weak effect. Uh, four damage to an opponent, one damage to a creature is not worth three mana. I, I'm not sure that's a thing that you want unless you're playing the most hyper aggro decks that are out there. But
0: I mean, that that said, four damage to a battle, that's that's pretty good. Yeah, I mean, if you're if you're putting this in a deck, obviously in this vector, you would be putting it in a deck that has other battles with that you want to be targeting. If there aren't any other battles on the battlefield, then you're kind of looking at a very, very bad lightning bolt <laughs> of sorts, right? Um, mm-hmm. You may use it to close out games sometimes. Uh, you can't do it at instant speed, of course, so that's awkward, but. I mean, there are some battles in this format where, like, you would play this and this on its own flips the battle and now you have some extra creature doing a thing. So, in the right decks, mm-hmm. I could see this being pretty effective in this, in this uh, vector. The backside, if you can deal that five, is Disciples of the Inferno. It's
1: a 4-4 prowess human monk. Uh, if a non-creature source you control would deal damage to a creature, battle, or opponent, it deals that much damage plus two instead. So, it actually combos with its front side really well. If you can get multiples of these, they play really, really well together. Deals three to a creature and then six to a battle or a, uh, opponent instead. Now now we're kind of talking. I mean, there's backup in this set, there's putting plus one plus one counters on things. Uh, I think there's going to be some pretty big lifelinkers running around uh, because there's a, a two two for two with lifelink. There's also a black creature at common that has backup and has lifelink, so it can give lifelink to something else that's big. Don't even get me started on the rare Baneslayer Angel. So, uh, yeah, the life is going to be a thing in this format. So I'm not putting too much stock into the player burn, uh, but Disciples of the Inferno is strong. I mean... You don't even really need that many not other non-creature damage sources. Uh, it's just a 4-4 four, four prowess. It's, it's a pretty good body.
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, plus, with, with this card in particular, I think there will be the potential for, like, a really tight mono red or very close to mono red burn deck because think about this as a finisher i mean whatever the non-creature spell you're casting to deal damage that's going to get an additional plus two damage attached to it is also triggering the prowess which makes this thing bigger it can get through the red zone it's a nice little combo in and of itself and uh i'm looking forward to seeing this in my red blue decks where i'm free casting tons of stuff with convoke (laughs) more on that later (laughs) next up we've got invasion of muraganda
1: Oh, like Murugan Petroglyphs. I wonder if that's going to come up. Four and a green for a six uh, defense. I keep almost saying loyalty. Six defense siege. When it enters the battlefield, put a 1-1 counter on a target creature you control. Then that creature fights up to one target creature you don't control. Yeah, um, this effect usually is at like three or four mana. Usually four at common. So paying five for this, you know, sorcery speed. And then six defense. Not a great rate, but hey, you're playing red-green. You're going to have some beef, right? And we just saw a common. that it attacks with eight power for one of these things. That still flips this instantly. So I think this is pretty restrictive. I think only this vector is really going to want this, which means you should be able to pick it up if you're in this deck. Uh, unless people at the draft table don't know vector theory, and then they're, they're just picking willy-nilly, and a green-white player takes this because it puts a counter on something at a not great rate. I don't know. It's a removal spell. It's whatever.
0: It is an uncommon, which tells me that it's probably better than we're inclined to believe it is at face value
1: yeah that's true yeah, i
0: would still want to suss that out
1: on the back side we've got primordial plasm it's a 4-4 ooze and it looks like it uh at the beginning of combat on your turn another target creature gets plus two plus two and loses all abilities until end of turn it's Muragonda petroglyphs that's so cool <laughs> uh for anyone that doesn't know what this card is look it up right now it's so funny uh yeah no this is a strong effect uh it does not need to attack itself, it just says another target creature. Funny enough, you could target an opponent's flyer with this, have it lose flying, and then you could get in with maybe your dragon or something, there's like a dragon in red green you could play, so that'd be kind of funny. There's also portent tracker, one of the green 1-1 Seder scout at common. You can tap it to untap target lands. That's a good effect. It doesn't fix your mana, it, you know, it doesn't give you a color you didn't have before. Uh, you can also tap it to choose target battle. If an opponent protects it, remove a defense counter from it. Otherwise, put a defense counter on it. Activate only as a sorcery. It's kind of funny. So if your opponent gives you a battle, you can start making it harder for them to defeat it. Or you can start whittling away at one that you cast yourself.
0: Yeah, very versatile.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm pretty happy just playing this on two and then uh, <laughs> playing Rampaging Geoderm on four, 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 three, four, Trample Haste. We're talking about like questing beast numbers there.
0: Yeah, it's just an interesting little card because it gives you like so many options, right? Like you can use this just for the ramp effect on its own and ignore the battle thing. But then you can like later in the game where you don't need the ramp, you can just start ticking down or ticking up battles. I I think it's a pretty nice little, you know, we're always talking about like mana dorks that have some extra value as the game ticks on later on. And this is one that that that'll serve that purpose. Man, I'm jealous you get to read this next one. This might be my favorite vector in the set. This looks so sick. Well, next up is green white. We're calling it counterattack. And our signpost, our vector signpost here is botanical brawler. This is green white for a zero zero elemental warrior at Uncommon. And it's got trample. Nice little zero zero with trample for you. <laughs> um, doesn't that die as a state-based action? <laughs> well. It would if it didn't have the next line of text which says Botanical Brawler enters the battlefield with two plus one plus one counters on it. So it's a two mana two two with trample. And whenever one or more plus one plus one counters are put on another permanent you control. If it's the first time plus one plus one counters have been put on that permanent this turn put a plus one, plus one counter on Botanical Brawler. Really convoluted way of saying you can put counters on other stuff, and when you do, this will get counters. <laughs> Once
1: per yeah. creature per turn. I feel like it shouldn't have taken this many words to say this, but it's a 2-2 that gets bigger with Trample. Like, just play it. It'll do yeah. the thing. Arena will handle all the triggers for you. Don't worry about it. But More, if you yeah, play bigger. this on, uh, on paper on previous night, you know, just pay attention. <laughs> Try not to miss any of these triggers.
0: Yeah, I mean, from a vector perspective, what this is really telling you is you want... To kind of go wide you want creatures uh and then you want to be able to put counters on each of those creatures throughout the throughout the course of the game because this Mm -hmm. will get buffed for every counter you can put on an individual creature every turn our battle for this color pair is invasion of moag this is two green white for a five defense siege this is whenever invasion of moag enters battlefield put a plus one plus one counter on each creature you control oh there you go clean man look at all those botanical brawler triggers (laughs)
1: That is a disgusting combo. Uh, Yeah, this is the kind of thing you want to use as your top end, right? You go one drop, Botanical Brawler, three drop, Invasion, awesome rate. And then if you curve it like that, you can really just attack with your board and probably flip it right away.
0: This is one of the few battles so far that I'm like very excited to just play as the battle. Like I almost don't even care about flipping this thing. If you put this in the right deck, like you're getting so much value out of the front part of the card. I think you'll be pretty happy with the backside too. Well, the backside is Bloomwielder Dryads, which is a 3-3 three, three Dryad. It has Ward 2, and at the beginning of your end step, put a 1-1 one, one counter on target creature you control. Yeah, that's pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and obviously,
1: if you put it on something else that isn't Botanical Brawler, and it's the first time you've put a counter on that this turn, Botanical Brawler will also flip. So uh, yeah, that's... um, or Well, not flip, we'll get another counter,
0: so... Really, really strong. Yeah. Worst case, this just puts a bunch of counters on itself because it doesn't have to target another creature, so you can just pump it itself up too. too. Which, <laughs> yeah, it's pretty great. Why does it have that? That's that's great. In green, we've got Chomping Kavu. This is three in a green for a Kavu at common three three. It's got backup one, and this creature can't be blocked by creatures of power two or less. So drop this down. Give something else a counter. Give it that ability as well. Pretty solid.
1: Giving it that, that ability. Common. And a
0: counter that those two play really well
1: together because then that means, I mean, maybe like a three three. Let's say you have a two two. This means that then, well, you put a counter on it. Now your two two would be trading with their three uh, three, and you get this thing left behind. So, a n- nice little ability.
0: Yep. And our uncommon here is Kami of whispered hopes. It's two and a green for a one, one spirit. If one or more plus one, plus one counters would be put on a permanent you control that many plus one plus one, plus one counters are put on that permanent instead. Hello, botanical brawler. (laughs) And it also has the ability (laughs) of tap at X man of any one color where X is Kami of whispered hopes power.
1: Yeah. Clearly really strong. I got to say green, white is going to be fighting over this because, uh, a lot of the green stuff involves plus one plus one counters incubate is going to be pretty good with this too uh getting an additional one one counter it does say on a permanent you control not just a creature so plays well with incubate as well uh yeah strong effect uh bad news for nashi in the flavor text Nashi knelt reverently before the Kami and envisioned his family reunited. Hmm. <laughs> Let's wait
0: for Town to dig into that one, but sorry, sorry, Nashi. <laughs> yeah, in white, we've got Norn's Inquisitor. This is one in a white for a 1-1 one, one Phyrexian Knight at Uncommon. When Norn's Inquisitor enters Battlefield, Incubate 2, so you'll get one token with two plus one plus one counters on it. And whenever a permanent you control transforms into a Phyrexian, put a plus one plus one counter on it. Some foreshadowing for uh, another vector as well coming up. But that is a pretty solid line of text. I mean, all of those incubate tokens turn into So, And if I'm reading this correctly, uh, you would flip the incubate token,
1: right? It would enter. uh, It would have those counters on it already, right? So, for example, let's say you do this, you incubate two. And then uh, when it transforms, then you'd also get that additional counter. So that would be two triggers on the Botanical Brawler. Two triggers on the Botanical Brawler.
0: That's also four four power and toughness worth of stats on a two mana card. I guess yeah. if you if you had to pay to transform the the incubate token, then then it's four power and toughness over four mana, but split over turns. I mean, that's pretty pretty effective.
1: Yeah, it's still a great rate, and it also buffs your other future flipping Phyrexians. Oh, fl- those flipping Phyrexians that are all over the place. <laughs>
0: Next up, we've got Sigil Sentinel. This is two and a white for a human knight at common. It's got backup one. It's a 2-2, two, two, and it has Vigilance. So nice little three mana 2-2, two, two, Vigilance. Throw, throw a counter at something, give that Vigilance. This will be great in the blue-white decks as well. Now
1: we're on to black-white. I had a different vector name for this, but I'm just going to delete that and go with flipping Phyrexians instead, because that's so much funnier. <laughs> uh, so we've got Sculpted Perfection as our vector uncommon common here. Uh, two white-black. It's an enchantment. Interesting. When it enters the battlefield, Incubate 2. And again, that's uh, you make an incubator token, two one one counters on it, you can pay 2 to transform this artifact, enters as a 0-0, zero zero, uh, you can transform at instant speed if you want to. Uh, Phyrexians you control, get plus 1, plus 1. That's an anthem. We, we got just an anthem. And what's really cool about this is that this is an anthem that's going to be very difficult to kill. There's actually a cycle of enchantments like this in this set, where they enter the battlefield, incubate, and then have a static effect. There's one we'll see later that uh, like gives all your Frexians reach or vigilance or other things. So uh, these are hard d- things to to uh, to remove. These almost remind me of the way slivers play out. Uh, the fact I was that just it's kind of like a, yeah, right. Uh, maybe it's just the art on this one because they do look an awful lot like slivers in that that art. But the way these work, I mean, this means that all future incubate tokens are just going to have this this buff uh, unless you're bringing
0: enchantment removal. That's really a pain to play against. Yeah, that said, this is a four mana do nothing if you have nothing else on the battlefield. Like, it's going to take your turn to flip the, the incubate token, presumably after you've cast this. So, it doesn't affect the board really the turn you play it, unless you have ways to deal with, do something with the incubate token that turn. Yeah, good
1: point. I will say, incubate reminds me a little bit of foretell. Uh, and Fortell played out pretty well, right? The fact that you would pay a little bit early. Uh, let's take like Serral's Packmate or something, right? You pay two mana on turn two, uh, which is, I guess, kind of like what you would do if you cast that norin's Inquisitor, right? The two mana one one, incubate two. And then on turn three, sometimes you would just like cast the second half of your, your packmate, right? Uh, just as a two mana, three, three that drew a card and, and kept you ahead of things. Uh, and that played out really well. Then in the late game, sometimes instead of, you would just hard cast your Salve's packmate. And, you know, clearly none of these are Salve's packmate, but like uh, the, the way it plays out splitting up the mana over two turns means that you rarely have a turn where you're not using your mana to its maximum efficiency. Yeah. Next up here, we have Invasion of New Capenna. White, black, that's it. Four defense uh, for two mana, okay. So when it enters the battlefield, you may sacrifice an artifact or creature. When you do, exile target artifact or creature an opponent controls. Okay, not usually the thing you're going to want to play on turn two.
0: <laughs> yeah, this is rarely going to A, have the support. Like you, you like, I mean, you may, you maybe have a creature. Very rarely will you have an artifact on, on turn one. I don't know that you'll ever really see that. Mm-hmm. And then on top of that, like how often does your opponent have an artifact or creature by that point that you want to get rid of? Yeah. No, all of that is a may. So this could literally be two mana, do nothing if you so desire that said, what are we getting out of it? I mean, it's a four, four toughness, uh, a four defense battle? Like, what do we get out of this when we when we defeat the battle? Well, you get a holy frazzle cannon. Duh. <laughs> what were you expecting? <laughs> I don't know
1: what else. What? <laughs> Obviously. Yeah. Uh, this thing does look kind of funny, though. Uh, whenever equipped creature attacks, it's an equipment. Whenever equipped creature attacks, put a plus one, plus one counter on that creature and each other creature you control that shares a creature type with it. Equipped for one mana. That's pretty good. So by Ooh. itself, this just puts a one, one counter on the attacking creature. Yeah, there's stuff in white that obviously synergizes with that and then on each creature that shares a creature type with it i don't know you need a lot to go right for this to work you need to have a board full of creatures that share creature types i assume phyrexians right like this the joke is that it it puts a a counter on all of your attacking incubate tokens so you do that right you have this whole board full of phyrexians You, you need to be able to attack with all them i mean if your opponent has like a four four out and you have a bunch of like two, two and three, three incubate tokens and you have this. It's like oh don't boy, went to to all that work. Oh, oh, OK, OK, OK. Never mind. That's actually pretty. it's good just point.
0: it's just the equipped creature that needs to attack
1: the wrestling. Yeah, so it's there. almost like Oh, good point. So it's almost like you could sacrifice one of them for the good of the rest. Maybe cash in its uh, its counters to spread about the rest of them. I don't know. I'm just not sold on this. Um the front side isn't great. The back side isn't great. Uh, none of these really play super well with the incubate stuff. Uh, might be a little bit of a trap. I don't know. I feel like I'll be okay with, with this. Then again, In the late game, it does guarantee a trade, right? You sack your worst thing, um, get their best thing. It almost seems like you're going to play for the front side more than anything else and as like a late game removal spell. Maybe look for a sacrifice fodder or things to play with it.
0: Yeah, I I guess you could kind of see this as more of a late game card where you actually don't mind top decking this. Maybe you sack one of your incubators, your incubate tokens that you've never flipped. And then Mm. when this thing finally does... I, I mean the the fact that it, you can't just turn it like flip it on whenever you want. You've got to start throwing stuff in the red zone in the late game. Makes me nervous that this will ever actually flip and then be relevant. But yeah, I think this is one of the battles that you pretty much just leave on the like let your opponent protect it. You don't bother attacking it. You just use it for the the two mana O ring effect essentially and move on with your life. Yeah, uh, maybe there's a hidden black white knights deck.
1: Right, those knights can etv to make tokens. So maybe the joke is you could like sack a token, uh, then flip it and do some kind of cool black. Well, I don't know. Th- th- there's some weird vector stuff going on here. It doesn't seem to be super in line with the Frexian flipping Frexians <laughs> incubate game plan. So let's put a pin in this one, and see how it plays out. But I suspect it's not going to be great. Th- these two don't seem to be pointed along the same direction. Well, here's some that do go pretty well in the Frexian vector. Uh, how about Frexian Sensor? Two and a white, three, three, Frexian Wizard at Uncommon. Just terrifying art. I hate that. Uh, each player can't cast more than one non frexian spell each turn. non frexian creatures enter the battlefield tapped. Wow, that's a pretty hard counter to that blue uh, cast two spells a turn tap to make night stuff. Uh, th- this is a strong card. I mean,
0: uh, non frexian creatures enter the battlefield tapped. That by itself is, is just really good. Oh, yeah. I mean, there aren't nearly as many Phyrexians in this set as we're used to seeing by now.
1: Yeah, th- this is a bit more even split, so uh, th- there's going to be a lot of, of non-Phyrexians that will enter tapped. And this is a 3-mana 3-3. That means it's going to be able to get in pretty effectively. We've also got Attentive Skywarden, 2-in-a-white 2-2 Flyer. It's a Frexian Core at common. Uh, whenever it deals comma damage to a player or battle, nice, transform up to one target incubator token you control. Well, you don't often see these little 2-2 flyers getting you mana advantage, but that's what this one's doing.
0: Yeah, of note, there are uh, 60 uh, or 61, rather, Phyrexian cards in the format across all rarities, including the ones that you need to transform to become Phyrexians. Interesting. Uh, I've got
1: one here that I think you're going to like. Are you familiar with... uh... Etched Familiar?
0: Don't even go there, man. Oh my (laughs) gosh. I was so, so upset. What have they done to my boy? This, uh... Filigree Familiar is one of my favorite cards for such a long time. What have they done to him?
1: Well, uh, as Chami, the curio vendor, says, no refunds. <laughs> the flavor text uh. on um, the first one, uh, and for those that don't know, this is a Phyrexianized version of a precious little Phyrexian fox, uh, or not Phyrexian at the time, but a precious little fox construct from uh, Kaladesh. Uh, and and the the vendor was saying, oh yeah, you get one for everyone in your family. Everyone's gonna love it. Uh, looks like a guy got got by the Frexian. so edge familiar is two and a black three two Frexian fox it's an artifact creature at common when it dies each opponent loses two life and you gain two life this is a pretty good rate uh i i I would there was a time when i would look at this and say what does it matter you know uh it's just it's not going to do anything but at a certain point this does kind of act like a siege rhino like this has that aristocrat style thing where uh, when they're at low life totals, they can't keep taking damage from it, but they also can't kill it. <laughs> you know, like if they do that at some point, when you have this in play and your opponent is at two life, you feel like you've already won. You know, it, the, the things you need to answer to that point are really strong. And having a common with that type of
0: ability is is worth having around. I will say Filigree Familiar is better than this. So, I mean, Elish <laughs> can take her whole completed perfection thing and, and shove off. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, that's true. This one doesn't even draw a card. You know, what's it good for?
0: Uh, here, how about a combo
1: with it? Completed Huntmaster. Two in a black, two, three, Phyrexian Elf Warrior at Uncommon. You can pay one, tap, sacrifice another creature or artifact to incubate three. That's it. Three mana, two, three, pay one, sack a thing, incubate three. This is a little inefficient, because you do have to pay three mana overall, but this is pay three mana. Turn any of your things into a Phyrexian. Now this actually plays really well with a couple of vectors. This plays really well with the black red sack vector, right? Uh, this plays really well with green black, which we're gonna see soon, has uh, some ways of making tokens and um, getting uh, stuff back from the graveyard to sack over and over again and looping. Uh, I like it here in, in uh, white black too though, because this turns everything into Phyrexians. Maybe you had like a, a little body that you had like a good ETB effect, maybe like a backup creature that put its counter on something else. And now it's just a little uh, like an understated body for its mana cost. Sack it to the Huntmaster, re-upgrade it, comes in with more counters, triggers all your counter stuff that you have laying around from white. And now it's a Phyrexian.
0: All right. Next up here, we've got Black Green, which we're dubbing Incubator and cabulator. I hope at least one listener gets that reference. I get it now. Our ve- <laughs> Yeah, our vector signpost here is Elvish Vat Keeper. This is one black green for Phyrexian Elf at Uncommon. It's a 3-3, three, three. and when it ETBs, Incubate 2. And then it has an activated ability of just 5 generic mana, no Phyrexian mana here. Transform target incubator token you control. Double the number of plus 1, plus 1 counters on it. Sweet. Yeah, that sounds like a nice little package. I mean, by itself, 3 mana, 3-3. Three, three. Get a tube uh, get a get an artifact with two plus one plus one counters on it. Later, if you just want to dump some mana into this thing, you can flip that and make it a four four. Guaranteed four four for five later in the game is probably not irrelevant, and it's a relevant creature type.
1: Yeah, I like that this almost has a kicker ability to it uh except it's like a kicker that you can always do later Uh, it's almost like a three mana three three that could also be a five mana three three and a two two Uh, except you know you just have to wait a little bit Uh, plus this transformability doesn't just work on the one that it brings in like obviously this incubate two would flip into a four four if you have an incubate four laying around then this flips it into an eight eight that's really cool
0: yeah, and also, this is reusable, right? This isn't a one-time effect. So if you have other Incubator tokens, you can just do this every turn for the foreseeable future, assuming you have other Incubator tokens playing around. Would it around. flip I mean, five back into, not, the,
1: into the like, the sack form? How does
0: that work? No, it's no longer an Incubator token. Once it flips, it becomes a Phyrexian token. Oh, okay. So you wouldn't be able to target that one. But I'm saying if you had like three or four Incubator tokens on the battlefield... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. This will let you just transform each of them.
1: Yeah, I yeah mean, definitely a Mana sink. Like, you're going to want a lot of mana to, to do this. I'm noticing an recurring trend here. Uh, I wrote an article about this a while back, and I think it was, it might have been Sam Black that wrote, like, a pivotal piece on a similar topic ages ago. Uh, whether your cards, uh, their vectors point towards big games or small games, and, like, that slang for uh, a big game involves making tons of land drops, drawing extra cards, lots of two-for-ones. Uh The two for ones resulting in you having card advantage, whereas uh, voting for like a small game, if your cards are like angling their vectors point towards a small game, uh, it's like making your opponent discard cards, sacrificing your own things to uh, gain tempo advantage. I'm noticing a lot of things that seem to point towards... big games what right ones where you're hitting your seventh and eighth land drop and that's important to you right uh i don't know you, you could have 10 mana in play and, and double activate this right like that's something that might be reasonable in this format i mean look at our next card it costs six mana right the game is going to be continuing to develop into the six seven eight mana range this leads me to think that any cards that do vote for small games um I say voting because I believe that's the language Sam used, but uh, to steal from that, anything with vectors that point towards small games, uh, make sure those are consistent within your deck, right? You don't want a deck that's half-angling vector-wise for a small game, half-angling vector-wise for a big game. This one, I mean, this is just a fine rate for an aggressive deck, sure, but this seems to be pointing towards a mid-range, big-game vector
0: yeah for sure and I, i think that's gonna that's going to make uh the the small game decks something like probably white blue in this format need to be very very tight if they're going to work well i think we're going to see like the best blue white decks top out at like three maybe four mana and they just go really quick hit the ground running get some flyers in the air do their thing and and you're dead on turn five and you just don't have time to set up i think if those if those decks waffle at all they just yeah they won't have a chance Mm -hmm. classic mid-range versus aggro matchup. yeah and this also tells me seeing so many cards in this format with big activated costs to them i mean a lot of these are five plus four maybe four or five plus mana to activate all these abilities we've seen that probably tells me we won't have quite as much card draw in this format because that is just something that you have to spend your mana on you don't need to draw cards to uh to use your mana effectively but we'll keep an eye on that as we go through the full spoiler and uh actually seeing how things play out in the format. But as you alluded to, our next card here is Invasion of Lorwyn. This is four black green for a five defense siege at Uncommon. And it says when Invasion of Lorwyn enters the battlefield, destroy target non-elf creature and opponent controls with power X or less, where X is the number of lands you control. So presumably mm. this hits the battlefield. You kill something with six or less power. Probably. Yeah. <laughs> That's basically anything. Yeah. Especially in limited. I mean, that... 99% of the time, you are this just kill whatever you want. Now, six mana Doomblade is like, or six mana murder, right? Like, pretty inefficient cost-wise, but this does flip. Uh, I think it's technically an Eye Blight's ending, because uh, this does hit non-elf
1: creatures, so <laughs> <Fair> <laughs> that enough, might come enough. up every once me? in a while. For example, uh,
0: you can't use this to kill the backside. That's true, and the backside is Winnowing Forces. This is a Star Star Elf Warrior. And it says, winnowing forces, power, and toughness are each equal to the number of lands you control. So nice, they play into each other. um, And that's something that scales with the game. I guess, you know, presumably, again, this is a 6-6. There's no extra text on it, so it doesn't have any abilities. It's just a vanilla 6-6 or 7-7 or whatever it might be by the time you've got those lands. Mm -hmm. But again, in a format where you get rewarded for getting to the late game, and it looks like we're going to be really caring about those 7th, 8th, 9th land drops, this thing can get pretty big. It's going to be hard to get through it.
1: Yeah. Plus, this is a great one to flicker or buy back from the graveyard, just because that front side is so strong. For sure.
0: Under our commons and uncommons here, so we've got Failed Conversion in black. This is a four and a black aura. It's uh, enchant creature. Enchanted creature gets minus four, minus four. And when enchanted creature dies, surveil too. So we are bringing surveil back for maybe one card here. <laughs> but this is at mm-hmm. common, so this is a nice little removal spell. I mean, it's a five mana removal spell, presumably, but um, does give you some extra upside when the thing dies. Pretty nice. I'm pretty sure
1: they turned Surveil into an Evergreen mechanic similar to Scry. So I think we can expect to start seeing it more and more, which yeah, I'm like I'm it. a big fan of. I mean, it's it's really just Scry for the decks that care a little bit more about their graveyards. And I mean, if Black Green doesn't care about the graveyard, then, you know, w- w- what is it?
0: Yeah, right. Next up, we've got Iker Drinker. This is black for a 1-1 Phyrexian Vampire common. It has lifelink, and then it has an activated ability of black. Exile Iker Drinker from your graveyard. Incubate 2. Activate only as a sorcery. Not yeah. bad. I mean... I love some extra value on a little 1-1 Life Linker that you can just turn into an Incubate token later. I mean, that's pretty nice.
1: These two cards play really well with each other, right? You could use Failed Conversion to Surveil to Surveil this thing into the graveyard, and then you don't really care about the 1-1 Life Link at that stage of the game. Uh, Also, a note about Failed Conversion, there's going to be big creatures in this format, so sometimes if your opponent has an 8-8, it might not be the wrong call to just, you know, shrink it down to a 4-4.
0: In green, we've got Tangled Skyline. This is four and a green for an enchantment at uncommon it says when tangled skyline enters a battlefield you gain five life and incubate five and then phyrexians you control have reached so this is one of those enchantments ben alluded to earlier when we were talking about the uh, the black white one yeah build your own sliver i mean that's gain five life incubate five is not exactly affecting the board but it's not too far from affecting the board either yeah,
1: it, it kind of does a bunch of things that just quite don't affect the board, but the combination right. of all of them makes it a pretty impactful play. I mean, giving the Phyrexians you control reach, you might already have a couple of them laying around. Right. Gaining five means you're probably not dying next turn uh, and incubate five. like You just got to flip that thing over next turn and I mean, then you got a pretty effective board presence from this. Uh, I do like that this is a lot better than like a seven mana five five ETV gain five with reach, for example, uh, because you don't need to hit your six land drop to flip that. Yeah, you don't get the same right. turn, but if you are struggling mana wise, then, I mean, nothing's easier mana wise than flipping an incubate token.
0: Yeah, pretty much. That's a good way to look at it. Split that over a couple turns. And and that also just gives you the flexibility of okay, maybe you don't need to flip that thing right away. You can spend your mana casting another spell next turn and it's just there when you're ready for it. You can flip them and uh, you know, keep going. But, you know, this does want you to have more incubate tokens. I've got another creature for you that is going to do just that. We've got converter beast. And this is a common. Three and a green for a zero one. Okay. Feels very common. <laughs> Four <laughs> mana for a zero one. Not something we want to play. But But it does say when converter beast enters the battlefield, incubate five. It's a lot of beef. (laughs) That's like, this is a card that I feel is very difficult to evaluate because it's a four mana zero one. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't actually affect the board when it ETBs. Again, that's a that's a that's an artifact with five plus one plus one counters on it. It can't attack, it can't block. You've got to put another two mana into it to make it a creature. And so we're really looking at a like six mana, five six worth of stats, which is like not really. On rate, it's not awful, but it's not really very good either. But you can split it over two turns. The Phyrexian thing matters. Um, this paired with those that enchantment or any of the other cards that care about incubator tokens starts to make this f- seem pretty nice.
1: Now imagine curving Converter Beast into Tangled Skyline. So on turns four and five, you added zero one worth of power and toughness to the board. But, but <laughs> the next turn, you're able to flip into 10 power and toughness. That's pretty significant. Uh, I team. see black green as kind of this tangled mesh of vectors, where there's some sacrifice things going on, there's some surveil things going on, there's some ETB things, some graveyard things, uh, even some Phyrexian things. I think it almost got the uh, I don't know. It, it's like the 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 catch of, of the set where they had they designed some really cool vectors and other colors, and they said, "Ooh, well it's looking like black has to do all these things for other colors to work, and green has to do all these things." Black-green is just going to do a hodgepodge of everything. And I think that's going to mean black-green decks are going to look very different vector-wise. I think there could be some interesting uh, sub-vectors to black-green. For example, Converter Beast. Uh, Earlier, we saw that three mana, two, three. You could pay one tap, sack a creature to to incubate three. So what if you I don't know sack the converter beast itself to get incubate three then get it back from the graveyard with that uh three mana double regrowth effect right then you recast it and you could just do that over and over and over and over again you have in- infinite incubate tokens and if you have a tangled skyline how does your opponent get through like ever <laughs> that, that yeah, they that's can't attack tough. you. Um, That seems like a really strong synergy. Again, you need a lot of mana for this. You need to be stable on board. So uh, I see black green maybe doing different things with different builds of the deck.
0: Yeah, and I think we've seen green pretty regularly be this sort of glue color. It's, it's often the role that green plays in formats. Not always, but often it is. And I think this is a nice way to approach that here. It, it might not actually end up being the glue color, but it does seem like it's got a, it's, its feet in a lot of different pools here. So
1: Next up, we've got blue-green, which we've dubbed robots in disguise. Uh, you'll see where we're going with this. Mutagen Connoisseur is our vector signpost here one green blue for a zero 05 vidalkin mutant perfect we're done <laughs> love it 3, three mana 05 oh can i can i tack on vigilance to that 05 does that get you more interested perfect oh yeah uh, and trying, well, this thing in the red zone yeah we'll, we'll even let it fly too uh r- really there's going to be a lot of attacks for zero with this from me because you know what's the downside it, it doesn't even get hit by that 3 mana white uh, destroy target tapped creature spell because it, it's first of all it's a it's a is vigilant so it's not tapping second of all i don't know why would they kill an 05 uh anyway the rest of the card does actually uh impact our, our grading here mutagen connoisseur gets plus one plus O for each transformed permanent you control so in this set that's mostly going to be checking for incubate tokens slipping into phyrexians uh and uh battles
0: do battles count because they're not actually transformed
1: uh they get recast as yes. the
0: backside
1: they do but they get cast transformed
0: ah uh, okay yes Read the card, Zach. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Speaking
1: of which, uh, Invasion of Pyrulia is green-blue. It's a siege. It has four defense. So just two mana, four defense. When an ETVs scry three, then reveal the top card of your library. If it's a land or double-faced card, draw a card. So clearly this vector is pointing towards having double-faced permanents, having a bunch of things that that make uh, incubate tokens or just having a bunch of battles. Or other de- de- double faced cards. I don't know. Maybe some of the uh, multiverse legends are double faced. I don't. I don't think any were, but good check on that. Anyway, this one doesn't really do a lot towards flipping itself, does it?
0: No. I mean, drawing a land does literal zero to that. Drawing a double faced card might help. You may draw a creature or something, but it's not going to put it into the battlefield. So this is one. I mean, it's a good effect for two mana. I would say. Scry three, then draw a relevant card is is definitely a good turn to play if you have the time to make it. It seems like mm-hmm. this will be a slower format, so matchup dependent. I think this is going to be a fine card to play. But if you can flip it, I mean that mutagen connoisseur, like this into Mutagen Connoisseur, I mean, I guess you still need to do some work. So like the, the connoisseur is still an 5 probably on turn three at that point. But mm-hmm. um, eventually the Connoisseur will do a good job of flip of of defeating this battle.
1: Yeah, that's true. Uh, and if you do manage to defeat this battle, you get a gargantuan slab horn. It's a four-four beast. It has trample and ward two. And it says other transformed permanents you control have trample and ward two. That's good. Jeez. That's worth getting to. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, ward two is a lot. I mean, this means your three mana kill spells become way less efficient right? And your expensive ones, well, I mean, you might just never get to cast them. So yeah, that is worth flipping. I I don't think I'd cut this from a blue green deck if I was, you know, if I had any significant number of transform cards, but uh, I I don't know. Again, you're going to make sure your creature count is is high enough to actually get through on this because this is not helping you flip it at all.
0: You don't just play, do you just play Invasion of Pyrulia as a two mana scry three draw card?
1: (sighs) That's pretty close. I mean, you're playing blue green your your spell count's usually pretty low you really want some beefy creatures uh, i guess you probably just play it but if you had like a lot of good removal spells then and and not a lot of good transform cards i could see cutting this Eh, it is only four. I don't know. This is one of those those hairline ones that we're going to need to play with battles for a little bit to really understand uh, the context on this one. So in green here, we have Overgrown Pest. This is a banger. This is two and a green. It's a 2-2 two, two pest at common. Uh, when Overgrown Pest ETVs, look at the top five cards of your library. That's a lot. You can reveal a land or a DFC from among them and put that card into your hand. rest go on the bottom in a random order. So you just go get a land as your, as your failsafe or a double face card, like a battle or... Well, I guess it's really just mostly battles. Yeah. Uh, well, the, there are the Frexian transform cards too.
0: Right. Yeah. I mean, look, Contagious Vorak was a great card. This yeah. is just better, <laughs> probably. Maybe not. I mean, you don't get the optionality of, of gaining the life or whatever, but uh, it draws your relevant card when you need it. So I think this will do Yeah, just Vorak fine. was
1: a 3-3. Three, three. This thing's a 2-2. Two, two. I don't know. I, I think I like that. Vorak was, was kind of pushed. This one, uh, solid thing. You're never cutting this from a green deck, I don't think. And our uncommon here uh, along this vector is Herbology Instructor, one of the green for 1-3, Treefolk Druid. Uh, When it enters the battlefield, you gain three life. That's a good little roadblock. I mean, that's going to shut down an aggressive red-white deck and give you plenty of time if you're trying to do one of these uh, big game things. Uh, Then you can pay six and a Phyrexian Black. Now, yeah, this is a a Phyrexian Black. I did include this in blue-green here, though, because first of all, when it gains three life, it already kind of spotted you <laughs> that, that two life for uh, paying, uh, plus an additional. So really, any, any deck, especially the big green decks, going to play this. And I think it's especially good in blue-green uh, because then you can transform it, activate it as a sorcery. It flips into Malady Invoker. It's a Phyrexian Treefolk. It's a 3-3. Uh, it says when it transforms into Malady Invoker, target creature and opponent controls gets minus O minus X until end of term, where X is Malady Invoker's power. Well, if there's one thing green is good at, it's growing its own stuff. So I don't know if it's a one, three, if you can put a counter or two on that, well, then maybe you're giving something minus four minus or minus O minus four, minus O minus five. Wonder why they didn't just have it give minus X minus X. Kind of a weird templating thing, but yeah, eh, whatever. It's good. I mean, this will kill a relevant thing.
0: Yeah, and this will fit in nicely. I mean, to your point, right, where the uh the Phyrexian mana is kind of spotted by this thing because it ETPs to gain life. You can just choose to not use black mana to, to flip it. This will fit in pretty nicely in the black in the white green decks. I'm thinking botanical brawler triggers. Mm. Huh? Make oh, this thing yeah. bigger, put some counters on it. Yeah, I think that's it's feeling pretty good.
1: Yeah, that's pretty good too. Now I've got a funny blue one here. Uh, I've got Omen Hawker for us. Man, that, that six in a Phyrexian Black was a lot. How are we ever going to pay for all that? Well, consider this. A one blue mana, one one Cephalid Advisor at Uncommon. It taps to add colorless blue. Spend this mana only to activate abilities. This is a weird card. I don't think we've ever seen something quite like this before.
0: Yeah, this is very strange, especially considering that it's an Uncommon. This isn't a card I would have like, if you had read this card to me, I would have thought common. Uh-huh. It's got just enough restrictions on it that like, it doesn't seem super relevant. It's a one man, a one, one, like not something I really would have seen being an uncommon, which tells me it's probably a lot better than I anticipate it to be. And the spend this only to activate abilities probably isn't that restrictive.
1: Yeah. This pretty clearly points along a very distinct vector here. Uh, we just got to f- figure out exactly what that vector is. I mean, activating abilities. When are we doing that in the set? well, either to flip Phyrexians, like the one we just saw, uh, or to flip uh, incubator tokens. And this perfectly pays for an incubator token, right? Uh, It's kind of funny that it adds a blue. I guess that was just kind of tacked on to help uh, some of the blue Phyrexian flips, but there's some other activated buildings in the set too. But for the most part, this will uh, just auto flip any incubator. So if you have a bunch of those token makers, this shoots up in value a lot. I mean, I think you got to actually activate it a couple times before you can really justify uh, its presence in your deck. I think if you have five plus incubator makers, though, especially the uh, the repeated ones, uh, then this this goes way
0: up. Yeah, especially because this is an early way to get that mana down. I mean, it sort of ramps you in that way. Um, So you Mm -hmm. could go like one drop, two drop that makes an incubator token, tap this to flip the incubator token on turn two and you're off to the races.
1: Yeah, that's a sweet start. We did see multiple two drops that, that incubate like that. So uh, next up here at Common, Oculus Whelp. Three and a blue, it's a 3-2 flyer. It's a Phyrexian dragon. Ugh, spooky. Uh, it says, as long as you control a transform permanent, Oculus Whelp has, when Oculus Whelp dies, draw a card. So this is interesting, a four mana, three power flyer, in some sets, that'll be trying to beat down, right? You'll be trying to turn it sideways, close out the game, Uh, might even be your top end of like an aggressive blue white skies deck. But this vector points in a slightly different direction. Uh, You're trying to turn this into card advantage. You want this creature to die. This this card is asking, uh, put this in front of your opponent's four three flyer or something or um, trade off with their three three angel uh, and then draw a card from this continue making your land drops continue being able to activate those big abilities uh, draw into your big game uh, like haymakers so be careful how you use this one I don't think you're being, you're trying to like, I don't know, transform a permanent really quick in blue-white and then play this and then attack in the sky. I, I don't think that's what that vector is trying to do. Uh, I think this card is best at home when you're trying to trade it off. Uh, maybe it even is like a sideboard card against blue-white, which does have some flyers, uh, even some 2-2 flyers. I don't know. Uh, curious to see how well this one plays out. I suspect it's not great, but it does point along the blue-green vector.
0: Yeah, I mean, at worst, it's a 4-mana 3-2 flyer, like and just no other text. so yeah, it's still yeah. fine. All right, here we go. Probably my favorite <laughs> vector in this whole set, and I'm so excited to see how busted this gets. Blue-red, stoked to convoke. And our uh, vector signpost here is joyful storm sculptor. It's a bit of a mouthful. Three blue-red for a human shaman at uncommon. It's a 2-3. This one's coming to us straight off of Strixhaven. When joyful storm sculptor enters the battlefield, create two one-one blue and red elemental creature tokens. Whenever you cast a spell that has convoke... Joyful Storm Sculptor deals one damage to each opponent and each battle they protect. Hmm. That is a lot of power and toughness across a lot of bodies. I'm in. And, you know, this card, if any card really, like, sums up what the Vector is looking to do in these two colors, it it ETBs to make three bodies Mm -hmm. and then tells you to cast Convoke Spells. (laughs) (laughs) It's not very subtle, is it? uh, No, not at all. But, hey, uh, you know, the uh, Prismari were never known for their subtleness, so...
1: Yeah, that's true. Uh, a note about these tokens, they're blue and red, and the night tokens in the set are uh, blue and white. So that does act as fixing for your Convoke stuff, because Convoke, uh, you can tap to add mana of that creature's color. So they kind of act like really good double-color mana dorks.
0: For sure. And we've got our, our siege here as well. This is Invasion of Kaladesh. It's blue-red for a four-defense siege. When Invasion of Kaladesh enters battlefield, create a 1-1 one, one colorless Thopter artifact creature token with flying. So on its own, two mana, make a Thopter. I mean, this is a Convoke deck, so it's got a little more value, I think, yeah. than most other formats where this effect might happen, but still probably underrated like, or, or overrated. I don't think that we really want to pay two mana to get a Thopter, but it flips into Aetherwing Golden Scale Flagship. This is a legendary artifact vehicle. It's a Star 4. It has flying. Aetherwing Golden Scale Flagship's power is equal to the number of artifacts you control, and it has Crew 1.
1: Hmm. So if you kept that token around, it's a 2-4 just by itself because it's an artifact. Now, notably, a lot of the other creature tokens that are being made, like those elementals, those are not artifact tokens, and uh, the knights are not artifacts. So it's not like you're going to have a million artifacts running around. I see that as a bit of a damper on this one. I think some uh, some blue-red decks just might not even play this if you don't have enough other artifacts. There are some you can play and some that are even... You know, part of the colors, but uh, I'm not super stoked about the artifact nature of this.
0: Uh, Yeah, I don't think it's the the, the most on vector card for this particular deck. I do think we might be able to find a very weird niche version of the blue red deck that goes in on incubator tokens, but doesn't care about flipping them just to keep the artifacts around. Oh, interesting. And then you can kind of do some wacky shenanigans. Now, I don't know off the top of my head how many cards in these colors care about artifacts. This may just be a one-off or something similar, but Mm -hmm. something to look out for. We may be able to get some weird blue-red deck that cares about Incubate.
1: Yeah, that's true. Uh, I I see Incubate mostly falling with the Obzon colors, but who knows? That that could definitely happen. here. I mean, we've seen blue cards that, that Incubate I think red might be doing the least incubating in the set. We, we could check on that, but I don't know. Uh, yeah, w- with enough incubators, this clearly does get really good.
0: So for blue, we've got Preening Champion. This is two and a blue for a bird knight at common. It's a 2-2 flyer. And when Preening Champion enters the battlefield, create a 1-1 one, one blue and red elemental creature token. These are nice. going to be a premium in this deck. These little commons mm-hmm. that just ETB to make an extra body or two bodies or whatever it ends up being, I think are going to be really, really hard to get your hands <laughs> on if if there are other drafters drafting this deck in your, in your pod.
1: Yeah, uh, any any way to make multiple creatures at once is what you want to be doing while you're Convoking. Uh, also, this one is a Knight, so you're going to have to fight the Knight's deck for it, but, you know, it shouldn't be too hard to get one of these.
0: Yeah, 3-mana 2-2 two, two Flyer is just a card that those decks will probably want in as, like, the 23rd, 22nd card in their decks, so... Um, yeah, probably we'll have to fight them.
1: Just think about all the good blue and white three mana cards that we saw like that. 3-3 three, three Vigilance and there's a 3-3 three, three, uh, backup with Vigilance. I, I bet this deck will be able to pick up copies of this if it needs it.
0: Yeah, also I just did a quick check uh, because I was curious about it. There are a total of four blue Incubate cards mm-hmm. and a total of three red Incubate cards. Uh, one of the blue yeah. ones is a rare. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> Not looking great then. Yeah, not so much. Uh, the rest are in obsidian colors, of course. <laughs> but anyway, our next blue card here is artistic refusal. This is four blue, blue for an instant at uncommon. It has convoke, and it says choose one or both counter target spell, draw two cards, then discard a card. Hmm.
1: That's cute. Six mana counter spell. I like that. Or uh, zero yeah, mana counter spell
0: and draw two cards. <laughs>
1: <laughs> All right. Yeah, that's true. At its best, this is nuts. Like when you draw two real things and pitch a land off this. You're going to feel like you really got away with
0: something and counter your opponent's bomb at the same time because you could just do both like that is just nuts.
1: But then again, in modern limited, how often do you have six creatures on the battlefield? You're probably going to need to pay some real mana for this or it's going to happen like in the middle of a ridiculous board stall. That'll happen every once in a while.
0: Yeah, but I think you're you're actually not unhappy to play this card in your deck if you can reliably cast it for two or three mana. Mm, yeah, I agree. In red, we've got Shivan Branch Burner. This is five red red for a dragon at Uncommon. It's a four-four. It has Convoke. And it has flying and haste. Now, this is an nice. interesting card. It's I love it, but it's an interesting card, right? Because it's got haste, which kind of implies that you're trying to be aggressive with this thing, which also implies that your other creatures probably want to attack. Mm-hmm. And they can't do that if they're convoking. So a little bit of tension there, I think, but uh I don't know. I mean zero mana, four, four flyer haste. I sure why not? <laughs>
1: Yeah, I mean, I see this as coming down when your opponent has, they've just managed to stabilize the ground just enough with threat three life and you got them down low enough from your aggressive beatdowns, And then you say, all right, well, instead of tapping on my creatures to attack this turn, I'm just going to slam a four, four flyer haste. Good luck opponent.
0: Yeah. And again, this is not one that you're really ever going to reliably cast for zero mana. Probably more likely to cast (laughs) this for four, maybe three. Yeah. But still, I mean... Even at four, this is a great card. Oh yeah! Imagine that curve out, right? <laughs> Just
1: like one drop, two drop, three drop, bam. Oh, disgusting!
0: And often it won't. It won't even be that hard, right? Because let's say you know you missed your one drop. Well, you play a two drop, and then you play a preening champion, and you still have three creatures to go with the yeah <laughs> the, the yeah on four. So well, there are some other cards in the set that that will help you out with that sort of thing, and. One of them is Ral's Reinforcements. This is a common. It's a sorcery. It costs one and a red, and it just says create two 1-1 blue and red elemental creature tokens. Nice. There you go. Two mana, two creatures. Looking good. Next up,
1: we are requesting backup. Our final vector here in red-white. We've got Mirror Shield Hoplite as our first one. Uh, We've got a red-white 2-2 human soldier with vigilance. Two mana, 2-2 vigilance. Solid start. Uh, Whenever a creature you control becomes the target of a backup ability, copy that ability you may choose new targets for the copy. This ability triggers only once each turn. That's nice. Uh, so your backup stuff just affects two creatures. This automatically is adding an additional counter no matter what, right? Because you're copying the ability. Uh, so a couple ways you could use this. It doesn't have to be on this. So you could use other creatures, but you could put a counter on this and the creature that you know had backup in the first place. So uh, kind of get to put it on itself and something else, or it could spread it amongst two other creatures. Nice. We've got invasion of Kylum, two red, white, Five defense, okay. When it enters the battlefield, up to two target creatures, each get plus two, plus O, and gain vigilance and haste, okay, until end of turn. Um, this is a fancy pump spell. I don't I don't think this one's as good as the rest.
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, it gives me heroic reinforcement vibes, but it's not nearly as good as heroic <laughs> reinforcements. <laughs> it's missing a pretty important
1: aspect, which is the fact that that made a couple tokens. Uh, those are actually hiding on yeah. the back. If you do deal five to this, uh, it flips into Valor's Reach tag team. It's a sorcery. Create two three-two red and white warrior creature tokens. With whenever this creature and at least one other creature token attack, put a plus one plus one counter on this creature. That's confusing, but you get two three twos. And whenever one of those three twos sees another creature token attack, which they naturally see each other, uh, the one well. They get a 1-1 counter. Or you could have one of these attack with an incubator token, and then that the one would get a 1-1 counter on it. So uh, this is cute. They found a way to in- incorporate partner, uh, which was a pretty big thing from uh, Kylum and, and Valor's Reach and the whole like battle bond type deal. So that's kind of fun. Uh, I don't think this is going to get cast very often because I don't think Invasion of Kylum is really worth doing. If you're red-white, you want to go face. Dealing five damage to this to get those two three twos i and and the, the effect on the front side is just so mediocre you know where this is probably best with like cheap flyers <laughs> where you just like get yeah. four power in the air this is maybe best when it's like a formatted deal for your opponent and that's not that good either
0: yeah this is a weird one it's got a lot of tension with the the, the vector of red white i would say and <clears throat> I don't know whether to think that red-white's going to be the aggressor or blue-white's going to be the aggressor. I mean, they both are probably variations of aggressive decks, but, um, I mean, copying those backup abilities will get pretty nasty. So, I don't know. Invasion of Akylum, I could maybe see as a top-end, as like, okay, this is how we win the game, but it doesn't give anything trample. So, it, yeah, I don't know. Probably just not a mm-hmm. card I'm interested in playing very often in these decks.
1: Yeah, I'm probably going to try it, but, look, I've, I've played an awful lot of red-white beat down in Limited. This, this doesn't really seem like the kind of thing a red-white beatdown deck is going to want. I don't know. We'll see. Let's talk about Karsus Depth Guard. Two and a red for a 4-3 Viashino Warrior. Already off to a great start. This is common. Uh, Uh-oh, it's got Defender. That's a problem. (laughs) That's not good. But as long as uh, its power is five or greater, it can attack as though it didn't have Defender. So you just got to back up on this thing once. That's what this card is asking. It's saying, put me in a Vector that can buff me. And then you're attacking with a five four for
0: three. That's good. Yeah, not the best blocker. So like having defender is a little bit sad on this, um, as a four three, but I don't think it's really going to take much at all to curve into a backup creature with this thing
1: yeah yeah a lot of the good backup cards are at the three and four slots so you can probably curve this out pretty effectively uh if you don't have a lot of ways to backup or pump or things like that uh, honestly if you only have like two or three pump spells in your deck and no backup this is not going to do what you want it to do unless you're in some kind of right i don't know like go big Maybe like a red green deck that wants to slam these like six, seven, eight mana spells could play this as kind of like a mid-rangey card against an even more aggressive red white deck because this does trade up, right? Like five mana four fours get annoyed by this, but uh, you really do want to be attacking with it. Uh, I would say play this if you have a million backup abilities, but then again, if you're playing a bunch of good backup three drops, you'll probably just cut this and play the backup three drops instead, right?
0: Yeah, I mean, you do always just have the option to back up onto the card that has the ability itself. Um, yeah. So it's not like you need other creatures around to make your backup stuff better. Yeah, this I, I could see this being a 22nd or 23rd card in, in those decks that just need some extra little something. Mm-hmm.
1: I'll tell you, though, there is a pretty sweet card to back up with this. Uh, Fearless Scald. Four and a red for a 3-2 Dwarf Berserker at Uncommon. It has backup one and double strike. Can I interest you in a 5-4 double
0: strike Karsis Depth Guard for three? That's pretty good. No, that's <laughs> that's pretty solid, yeah. Worst yeah. case, though, like Fearless Skald is a five mana 4-3 double striker, and that already is still quite good. So. That's
1: that's good. <laughs> that's good by itself. Uh, there's a lot of chunk damage in this set. Things are going to hit hard. Yeah, also, I mean, think about all the poor battles that the Fearless Skald is just going to run right into. Oh, yeah. Uh, plus putting that counter on a flyer or a trampler or something. Uh, yeah, oh. that, that's really sweet. Jeez. What about a lifelinker? Oh man. Yeah. F- backup is so sweet. I, I really like this mechanic. Speaking of guards that are good to back up onto, how about sunblessed guardian? Uh, one of the white, it's a two, two human cleric at uncommon. It has five and a phyrexian red transform sunblessed guardian. So you do this on turn five. This is happening way later. So you are stuck with a two mana two, two for a good chunk of the game. Not the best thing to be doing in this set. We've seen that there's some some powerful stuff going on. But when you flip it, it flips into a 3-3 Phyrexian Cleric. It says, get ready, we got a whole paragraph here. Uh, when Furnace Plus Conqueror attacks, create a tapped and attacking token that's a copy of it. Okay, so you get a 3-3 three, three token that's a copy, it's tapped and attacking. Put a plus one plus one counter on that token for each plus one plus one counter on Furnace Blessed Conqueror. Sacrifice that token at the beginning of the next end step. Feels like there could have been a cleaner way to do that, but I get why, right? I mean, this this works well with your uh, ETB counters abilities. So uh, this thing like sees the counters coming in. The Botanical Brawler is happy that this is templated this way. Uh, but anyway, this is just kind of a funny way to say you get a, a copy of it that gets that many counters on it. So this is a great thing to back up onto, right? I mean, it's it, once it flips, if this thing flipped with two counters on it, you're attacking with two five fives. That's really cool.
0: Oh yeah, super solid, and it's a fun it's a fun card. Like I mean, the design of it is just unique. It's something we haven't really seen, and I love it. Plus. This card ha- hits on so many flavor wins. Like, okay. Oh, yeah. Flavor text. Light glinted off the raised weapons of the Sun Empire, filling her with an unbreakable hope. And then on the flip side, it says, but even the unbreakable can be reshaped. And if you look at the front side's art, she's holding up this scepter, but the shadow of the scepter on the pil- on the, the wall behind her is the Phyrexian symbol. Yeah. It's just so good.
1: Yeah, it's good. There's a lot of Phyrexian symbols hidden throughout the art in the set. Uh, some more subtle than others. This is a sweet one. Speaking of well, less subtle Frexian symbols. Another good thing to back up onto is Alabaster Host Sanctifier. One in the white, 2-2 two, two lifelink at common. It's a Frexian cleric. No notes. <laughs> it's a, a bear with lifelink.
0: Well, that rounds out our two color pair vectors. We'll be very curious to see how these play out, if they play out the way that we are expecting them to. If there are other hidden vectors, we love to try to find those. So if you come across one, drop, jump in the Discord and definitely let us know what vectors we might have missed here. We do tend to stick to these two color pairs because those are the most common uh, ones out of the gate, but we'd love to hear about the more unique ones that people come across as well. But we're not done yet. We do have a handful of colorless cards, and then we're going to jump through all of our uh, top commons for each color as we see them going into the format here. So first off, in, in colorless, we've got Skittering Surveyor. This is back. We got a nice little reprint here. Three mana, one, two, Construct, a common. It's an artifact creature. When it enters the battlefield, you may search your library for a basic land card, reveal it, put it in your hand, then shuffle
1: good card you know that this helps you hit your land drops uh it helps fix your mana if you're doing some sort of you know three color four color big deck you're gonna want one or two of these and just seeing this little guy in a set with with uh common gain lands uh dual lands uh, i have i have very good hopes for what this set (laughs) is gonna be like it's looking like a sweet format
0: Yeah, next up we've got Flywheel Racer. This is 2 mana for a 3-2 vehicle at common. It has Vigilance. It has an activated ability of Tap. Add 1 mana of any color. Activate only if Flywheel Racer is a creature. And it has Crew 1. So, this is a weird card to me. Okay, really weird card. It's a 2 mana 3-2 with Vigilance, which tells me this thing needs to attack. It's got Crew 1, and then it's got this mana dork thing. So it's kind of playing two roles. Luckily, the Vigilance makes it so that it can be the Aggressor, and then it can also be a mana dork in main phase 2. But Two mana artifact or two mana vehicle with crew one is really the hot spot. Like, that's where you want to be with vehicles.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is a weird little card. Yeah, your opponent could just trade off with it, right? Like the Frexian cleric we just saw, the 2 2 bear. Yeah. Maybe if they don't want you fixing your mana, they just like stick that in front of this. But yeah, I feel like people aren't really going to want to trade with this because it looks like junk. <laughs> but uh, it, it really is a card that's going to sit on the battlefield and you don't have to attack with it, right? It kind of turns one of your creatures into a functional mana dork, right? Maybe one that wasn't before. So for example, again, um, the the Alabaster Host Sanctifier. If you have that and this thing out, you could crew this with the Sanctifier uh, and then tap this for mana. Yeah, at that point, you spent an additional card to turn one of your things into a mana dork, but that is fixing. This feels like it's going to be desperation fixing, though. I feel like maybe if you didn't get there with your dual lands and your skittering surveyors, maybe this is the backup plan. I don't know. We've never seen a card quite like this before. I'm thinking it's probably not going to be great, but it is fixing if you need it.
0: Yeah, and I can see, I mean, there are a bunch of cards in different archetypes here that are that are creating 1-1s, just random vanilla 1-1s. I could see c- caching, quote-unquote, caching those in to kind of speed up your game plan a little bit by crewing this thing to just use it as a dork. Um mm. And then in some decks, a three mana, a 2-mana 3-2 Vigilance is something you'll want. Definitely a weird card. I'm curious to see what the 17 land date on this thing is by the end of the format. Yeah, same. And then lastly here, just a, another colorless card we wanted to highlight, Urn of Godfire. This is a 1-mana artifact at common. It has two activated abilities. The first of which is pay 2-mana, add 1-mana of any color. So note that this is not ramping you. It is costly filtering. Mm-hmm. And then the second ability is 6 uh, you pay six colorless or generic mana, tap it, sacrifice Earn of Godfire, destroy target, creature, or enchantment. So again, this is one that does not hit battles.
1: Yeah, huh. <laughs> it's a uh, very expensive, clunky removal, but we've seen a couple of ways to get, you know, like low mana value permanence back from the graveyard. This could have a home in some vectors, but again, this, this looks like junk to me.
0: Yep. Of course... Uh, technically colorless. We also have lands. There are dual lands in common. These are our traditional gain lands, right? So the ETB gain a life they enter tapped and then they tap for one of two colors so look out for those they show up in roughly half and uh, not roughly they show up in 50 percent of of packs right so that there's a 50 percent chance that they take the basic land slot so keep an eye out on those not guaranteed one per pack
1: all right so let's run through some top commons these are two, uh, commons that we expect to have a pretty high games played win rate on 17 lands by the end of the format i thought it'd be fun to go through and take a look at how we did last time uh, we haven't done this before, but uh, let's just run through. We expected Planner Disruption, Charge of the Mites, and Flensing Raptor to be the top three games played uh, win rates uh, on 17 lands. Happy to say we got, uh, well, none of these, <laughs> correct. Uh, it was actually Crawling Chorus, Indoctrination Attendant, and Basilica Shepherd that came out as the highest games played win rate. Uh, I will say, though, Planner Disruption was number four, and Flensing Raptor was number five. So I, I want to give us like a half star for-, for those two, which adds up to a full star uh, we did okay with that. Now, I have some spicy picks for our top comments for white here. Realm Breaker's Brass, I think, is an easy one. This is one of the white. It's an aura. Enchant artifact or creature. Uh, enchant permanent can't attack or block. Its activated abilities can't be activated unless they're mana abilities. This set is huge. People are going to be paying a billion mana to flip one thing into another. Uh, how would you like to answer one card and like nine or ten mana dumped into it for one card and two mana? That That is exactly what I want to do. Yeah, for sure. We also have, I think, a, a spicy pick, Angelic Intervention. This is one of the way it's an instant target creature or planeswalker you control gains protection from colorless or from the color of your choice until end of turn. If it's a creature, put a plus one plus one counter on it. Uh, we have seen a card similar to this before. It was a huge overperformer performer a couple sets ago, and it was an aggressive set. I believe it was an M21 where we saw this effect, but this just auto wins a combat. Plus, with the 1-1 one, one counter synergy, uh, I think every white deck is going to want to play at least a copy or two of this. It's just going to be the best white combat trick in the set for sure. Uh, I can see it you know, crawling into the top couple commons. And again, a bit of a spicy pick, Alabaster Host Intercessor. Five and a white for a 3-4 Phyrexian Samurai at common. When ETV's exile target creature an opponent controls until it leaves the battlefield and it has plane cycling two. That's nuts. It's a common fiend hunter. It's a common, like, a oblivion ring creature. Like, we, we never get this at common. We've never got one of these at common before. Sure, it costs six, right? So you play this, exile their five drop. But the fact that it has plane cycling, too, means that there's never a bad time to draw this. Uh, I don't know what Phyrexian or what Alabaster host at Intercessor's data is going to look like for how often it's plane cycled uh, and how often that contributes to winning games. But I have a feeling it's going to be one of the white commons you want
0: most. Interesting. I think that's a hot take. I'm not sure I agree with you about it being quite that good, but I agree <laughs> that, you know, a six mana three, four, that has a super relevant ETB, not the worst thing in the world. And then that plane cycling really just lets you play this for almost nothing. I mean, any card we see with cycling in any format just makes it that much easier to play. And sure, this isn't literal cycling. Like it, it's only, only plane cycling, but yeah, I mean, it's it's a relevant ability that lets you kind of get away with keeping a hand with a six drop in it.
1: OK, hear me out. Imagine your opponent just transformed a five counter incubator and you see this in your hand. How do you feel?
0: No, sure. I mean, the upside, like the, the ceiling is great. The floor is also not very low. So like it's a good card. I'm just not I'm not sure that the average uh, the average effectiveness or efficacy of this card is going to be such that it's in the top three white commons. I'm seeing we'll this see. as maybe four or five. But yeah, though, to be fair, I don't have something off the top of my head that I say that I would say is better than it. Just looking at the white commons. So,
1: yeah. Yeah.
0: Maybe it's going to be that like
1: four mana, two, two, the ETVs to make a two, two. I don't know. Maybe we'll eat our words on this.
0: All right. On to blue. And, um, well, when it comes to all will be one, we didn't quite do as poorly in blue as we did in white. <laughs> uh, we had Mesmerizing Dose, Experimental Augury, and Malkator's Watcher as the top blue commons. We got Watcher, right?
1: Yeah. Uh, who would have thought that Chrome Prowler and Eye of Malkator, the weird four, four flash thing, uh, Would have been good. I mean, those two actually play well together, and I guess the best blue decks were the artifact decks in this past set. Malchus Watcher was a big part of that, too. Mesmerizing Dose just didn't really matter, and Experimental Augury was just kind of spinning its wheels, so it makes sense why those didn't wind up as top commons.
0: Now, for March of the Machine, we have Preening Champion. The, that was the uh, Tuna Blue Bird Knight. It's a 2 2 flyer that ETBs to make a creature, make a 1 1. Um, yeah, super solid. Common, you know, ETBs make two bodies. It's got flying, so it's relevant, and it's a relevant creature type. Um, Seems like a really solid card. I will be surprised if this isn't one of the top performers in blue. Next up, we've got Zalfir Shapecraft. This is one in a blue for an instant at common. It says target creature has base power and toughness 4-3 until end of turn.
1: Draw a card. Okay, hear me out. This one's also a bit of a hot take, but those that remember suit up and how well it played in in Neo, uh, suit up costs three, it turned it into a four five and draw a card. We see these types of effects all the time. There's one in every set, but very rarely do they cost two. Usually they're like uh, two and it like exiles a creature. You get a four, four instead, like whatever, Uh, or I don't know, two and or, or three and or four and draw a card. This one has everything. This one costs two. It's an instant and you draw a card. Yeah, it turns it into a 4-3. It's not the best stats, but it's base power and toughness 4-3. And where I see this being good is with incubate tokens. Uh, if your incubator has two counters on it, and you give it base power and toughness 4-3, well, then you just got a 6-5, and you drew a card. So it's winning combat for two mana, and you're drawing a card. Uh, this, this, I think, is going to be a solid one.
0: Yeah, this is another one that I'm, like, a little skeptical on, just because blue doesn't have a whole lot of ways to get incubator tokens, but... I guess maybe paired in black or, or something like that. Like It will happen. You will have the situations where you have incubator tokens with this card in hand. Um, yeah, we'll see how it plays out. Mm-hmm. Next up is Stasis Field. This is one in a blue for an aura at common. An enchanted creature, an enchanted creature has base power, toughness, zero two. 2 has defender, and loses all other abilities. This is like the premium common removal for blue in this format. I doubt this doesn't make it into the top three by the end of the format.
1: Yeah, I mean, this just turns off the relevant abilities subtext, which, like, there's a lot of good relevant abilities. I mean, what about that five-mounted double striker we were just talking about? Shrinking that into an O2 with no abilities is going to matter.
0: Oh, yeah. And the fact that it gives a defender means that you can put this on incubator tokens and it will still be relevant.
1: So I'm proud to say for our top comments for Black, we did pretty well. We got Anoint with Affliction and Stinging Master right? We put Annihilate and Glare up there, but it was actually Blight Belly Rat Whatever. (laughs) That's fine. Uh, So for our top comments here, uh, we've got Deadly Derision, two black black for an instant, destroy target creature or planeswalker, create a treasure token. Sick. No notes.
0: Yeah, I mean, this does a great murder impression and it hits planeswalkers, so looking good.
1: Yep, that treasure is going to be relevant too, uh, whether for splashing or sacking the things, I'm in for it. Final Flourish is our next one, one in the black instant. Uh, It has Kicker, Sacrifice, an Artifact or Creature. Which could be that treasure token, or maybe like an incubate token, or whatever. Uh, target creature gets minus two, minus two until end of turn. If the spell was kicked, that creature gets minus four, six, minus six until end of turn. Instead, this will functionally kill anything anytime you need it to. Not a lot of stuff is bigger than six six.
0: Yeah, and notably, the kicker is not like a mana value. We you mm. just need an artifact or creature lying around. Incubator tokens serve just fine. Um, that treasure from Deadly Derision serves just fine. Like there are so many ways to have access to the kicker for this. That, um, yeah, as Ben said, you'll pretty much be able to kill whatever you want with this thing.
1: We've seen other little token makers laying around or, uh, I don't know, maybe if your opponent put one of the blue or white arrests, uh, pacifism type effects on one of your creatures, or maybe if your opponent is pointing a good deadly derision at one of your things, you could sacrifice it out from under that kill spell to final flourish one of their big creatures.
0: Yeah, plus, I mean, at two mana, minus two minus two isn't, isn't a great rate, but there are plenty of X2s in this format. Last year, I got Aether Blade Agent one in the
1: black one one death touch and uh, i think in this format where we have a lot of huge things happening this will be pretty relevant this also has a transformability though four and a hybrid blue flips into a three three uh, and whenever it deals combat damage to a player you draw a card it also has death touch that's uh you know that's just going to get in there right like a three three death touch is a real brawler it's starting to draw cards it forces your opponent to trade off with it i don't know i undervalued blight belly rat a, a reliable two two that that had some uh a good text on it so i'm not going to
0: undervalue aether blade agent so in red here we also did pretty well for all will be one we got hex gold slash and chimney Robble. right what we missed on was volt charge yep instead of volt charge it was actually barbed
1: batter fist at the number two spot volt charge barely cracked the top 10 surprising
0: yeah i mean barbed batter fist being up there though like makes a lot of sense because that card was pretty ridiculous in that format yeah yeah it was good for March of the Machine, though, we've got Shadow of the Source. This is five in a red for an instant at common. It has Convoke, and it has Choose One. Shadow of the Source deals six damage to target creature, planeswalker, or battle, or destroy target artifact. So again, super expensive, but you know if you can cast this for three or four mana, you're you're feeling pretty good. Kills just about anything. It will flip literally every battle. I don't think there are any battles mm-hmm. in the whole set that are above six defense, so that's pretty solid. I mean, especially when you're looking at a card that needs your creatures to tap to use it so like you're slowing yourself down from killing your or defeating battles if you're tapping your creatures and you can't attack with them this uh this this gets the job done as well and then yeah you can use it to get rid of artifacts if you need to as well next one is volcanic spite this is one in red for an instant common volcanic spite deals three damage to target creature planeswalker or battle you may put a card from your hand on the bottom of your library if you do draw a card i mean this isn't discard draw a card which is almost always better but i mean I love seeing some card draw on a red card. Yeah. And lightning Bolt draw a card. Like, come on.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yep. Uh, I like it. You know, clean, and efficient. The only case where Volcanic Spite is better is when you're playing like an indomitable creativity deck in Pioneer. Uh, this is just strictly better than Fire Prophecy. So I think this is going <laughs> to immediately go into all those decks. Poor Fire Prophecy. Uh, Volcanic Spite it hits battles.
0: So. And then lastly, we've got Wren's Resolve. This is one in a red for a sorcery at common. Exile top two cards of your library until the end of turn. Until the end of your next turn, you may play those cards. Play, not cast. So again, I mean, every time we see a card like this printed, it does pretty well in red decks. I don't think this will be the exception.
1: Mm -hmm. I see this as a way for the red decks to enter that big game mode, right? Where you're continuing to get card advantage. I mean, two mana for two cards in the red way. Yeah, but this is a, a pretty good rate. Green, we didn't do great uh <laughs> we got contagious vorak that was an easy one uh i had Tyrannax atrocity up there that one was one of my top uh well sleeper uh, really hopeful picks uh instead lattice blade mantis was up there so we were pretty close that there would be a, a pretty effective big beater uh really what we got wrong was that it was oil that ended up being the the, the strong vector not so much toxic uh at least with Tyrannax atrocity uh, i mean you would take like a Crawling chorus over a Tirnox atrocity any day. And then we had Ruthless Predation, which we got wrong as well. Uh, actually, the other top three uh, for this set was Rust Vine Cultivator. That was the one mana mana direct that put oil on itself. Again, makes sense. Oil ended up being a super strong vector. That being said, despite getting a uh, two mana fight spell wrong this past set, I'm gonna go on it again. I'm gonna say that Cosmic Hunger is gonna be one of the top green commons. Uh, one of the green instant target creature you control deals damage equal to its power to another target creature, Planeswalker, or battle. I mean, this is a lot better than Ruthless Predation too. This is an instant, it's a bite
0: spell, and it can hit battles. Yeah, that's going to be great. I mean, let's be honest. These spells have a track record of being in the top three commons for green. So I don't think we were off the mark uh, on average for last set. Uh, I think last set was an exception to the otherwise pretty well determined rule. We've also got Overgrown Pest. That was two and a green,
1: two, two. Uh, It was the one that when ETBs look at the top five of your library, you can get a land or double face card from among them and put it in your hand, rest on the bottom in any order. Just really reliable. It's going to hit your land drops. It's going to help you find these good late game cards that that flip and transform and battles and these other Frexian transformers. So uh, th- this is going to be a good glue piece for any green deck. Last but not least here, we have Wildwood Escort. Four in a green, 3-3 three, three, Elf Warrior. When it enters the battlefield, return target creature or battle card from your graveyard to your hand. And if it would die, exile it instead. This is a... <laughs> This is a, a, a pretty beefy, late game, mid-rangey green creature. I love it. I, I, I really, really like this card. Also, that fox is like pretty dope. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's it's no eternal witness, but it's it's pretty close, right? I mean, getting back a creature or battle, that's what you want to get back anyway. And there are ways to blink in this set. So I, I see this doing some pretty cool things.
0: Yeah. So one thing that I'm I'm wary about with this set is returning battles from the graveyard because... They're not. I mean, the, you have to be very particular about which battles you're getting back, right? You, the if you're playing Wildwood mm-hmm. Escort with the intention to get back a battle, obviously you always have the failsafe of getting a creature back. But if you're trying to get a battle back, you really need to have battles in your deck that you care about the front side of them more than you care about the back side, because trying to yeah, get true. a battle back just to get the creature that you flipped it into, you're looking at like potentially three, four turns before you get access to that card. So.
1: I do see this one pairing really well with the various self mill and even opponent mill strategies, right? I mean, I could see you playing this in like a blue-green deck that doesn't have that many ways to self mill, but maybe you happen to get paired against a black opponent. Uh, Maybe that four mana, three, three, ETB, both players mill a bunch of cards, right? Uh, Then you kind of get a little bit of graveyard selection to use with this too.
0: Well, that about does it for us for this set. Uh... I think I'm, I'm pretty excited to get in, get my hands on this. We didn't talk about any of the like really crazy legends that have been brought up because well, they're not really commons or uncommons. We'll talk about those in a rare roundup, but mm-hmm. I'm super excited to get my hands on this set. There's so much going on with this. The archetypes feel very refreshing coming out of all will be one. And uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to see what folks drop in the discord to uh, show us, show off that, that first handful of trophies, those first couple of drafts that said, do check out the Discord. It's the best place to be to chat with us and the rest of the Traficionado community. We also have, starting with uh, All Will Be One, but continuing through March of the Machine, we do have leaderboards in the Trophy Dex channel now, so you can kind of compete with other Traficionados, uh, Ben and myself, to uh, keep track of those trophies as they come through. If you want to support the show directly, you can do so on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash draftchaffpod, and you can find us on Twitter at draftchaffpod. Thanks, folks, and we'll catch you next week. Quick
1: sign off here, uh, a card that I've been thinking about recently, ever since casting Emrakul uh, in in Arena and experiencing that ridiculous thing uh, where, unfortunately, my opponent didn't let me play out their turn. They just scooped. But I did get to cast Emrakul in the Tinkerer's Cube, which is live right now. Great cube. Recommend it. It's a lot of fun. Uh, I, I was thinking about what other cards let you take control of opponent's turns. Well, there's Mindslaver. But then that got me thinking, is there anything else that does it? So a quick Scryfall search. Pointing me towards Worst Fears. Uh, It's a card that I've never seen before, despite this feeling like the kind of card I've seen before. It's seven and a black. It's a sorcery. It's a mythic from, what is that, The Journey in the Knicks, I think? Yes. You control target player during that player's next turn. Exile Worst Fears. Uh, It's basically just the Emrakul trigger, right? It costs eight, and it's black card. And it's a sorcery. And that got me thinking, why is this not in the draft chaff cube? (laughs) (laughs) Like, is there Um, any more draft chaffy? And and there's, like, ways to... I mean, does copying this even work? I don't know. Uh, Or maybe somehow, like... No, probably not. Well, there is that five mana three three... Uh, and when it enters, you copy an instant or sorcery exiled or from outside the game. You exile and free cast it. I mean, free casting works really well with this card. See, that's where uh, I
0: get nervous about this card is free casting.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, man, I don't know. I did check. It's $3. So technically, it's out of the range of the draft chaff cube. But right, this got so me thinking to worry about. <laughs> for now. Uh, this got me thinking a long time ago. I think there was a listener question where someone asked, what cards do you wish were Draft Chaff that are not Draft Chaff for inclusion in the cube? Uh, this is absolutely one of them. And to the listeners, I ask you all a question. What cards from this set, from March of the Machine, do you think are going to wind up in the Draft Chaff Cube? What suggestions do you have, especially those you that know the vectors that are built in? Uh, or maybe even what sweet cards would you think could be cool to show up in the Draft Chaff Cube? Start giving us some ideas.